is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program here. As always, you're invited to join us. The number, if you want, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Chris. And we're also uh, going to be joined by nobody here shortly, so he'll be here shortly. You can uh, join the show again, 603-283-6160. But to start things out here tonight, we're going to get into the latest on uh, what's been happening with various different companies and such cutting off the government and the people, more importantly, of Russia, the punishing the 140 million innocent people that live there for simply being in a uh, political jurisdiction that some people don't like anymore. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, most of these restrictions seem to be impacting the people rather than the government, so to speak, of Russia. Correct. Uh, so apparently the uh, the quick news that I told you about just before we started the show, a internet provider named Lumen. I don't know if they they were they were purported to be like on the level of Cogent, but I don't know if that's true or not. I, I'm not really gotten all the details on that. But Cogent, which is a backbone provider, we discussed this a week ago, has cut off Russia, and now apparently this other one, Lumen, is also closing their service in Russia as well. There's more about this uh, on the way here tonight, but also something that happened yesterday uh, that we got into on the show quite a bit was the NH exit, uh, the the constitutional amendment that had been proposed here in New Hampshire got its hearing, this historic hearing in the uh, the state house in front of the full state legislature here, which is 400 people. Now, not all 400 are always there. So in this case, there was like 360 or so uh, that were in attendance. And, uh, and it got the full hearing and it got shot down 323 to 13 was the final vote in that particular case. Uh, we were actually playing some of the audio from the state house floor yesterday on the show, and I do have more of that audio here tonight. That video has gone online over at the Freekeen uh, Odyssey channel, so you can go to video.freekeen.com. It's the latest video there on Odyssey. So if you want to check out what happened, you want to see the footage for yourself, uh, it's there. We played about half of it last night. We played the uh, a couple of the opening, I don't know if you want to call them statements or whatever they were, uh, but there, there are a couple more that I thought might be interesting to uh, to hear from here tonight, and then we'll also get into some bank fraud that you want to talk about, uh, Chris, so that's coming up. The number is 603-283-6160 if you want to join us here. We go to the floor of the State House yesterday for what's called CACR 32. That's what they call a cons- uh, proposed cons- constitutional amendment here in New Hampshire. So it has to get 60% of the State House and 60% of the State Senate in order for it to go onto the ballot. It did not even come close. I <laughs> uh, got about not even 4%, about 3.8% of the uh, the total number of people that were there in the chamber yesterday. And the uh, by the way the the hand wringing and the reeing and the freaking out on social media has been pretty exquisite after this. So many of the <laughs> Democrats uh, have been just calling for the heads of the thirteen heroes who voted for this piece of legislation. Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's kind of funny. They've been freaking out just in general about you know free staters and oh yeah, big time. It's it's kind of interesting because in in some respects they're kind of right and it's. In that 
we're not okay we don't obviously have control over the state house i think this this uh no not even close this, this particular amendment shows that but they're freaking out as if we do and they seem to be saying we do and it's just i think this just demonstrates that we don't but what this does demonstrate is something uh that is mm, it, it demonstrates that effectively we are gaining ground uh you know a couple yeah. of years ago we never would have been able to get one rep let alone 13 reps to go, get on board with this company. yeah that's true so it's massive uh massive uh you know and our numbers are increasing in new hampshire and our uh representatives we have more representatives than we've ever had before yeah there was one of them who was saying uh i don't remember which one i've, I've literally got at least a dozen, maybe uh, 20 different entries from Twitter of these people just flipping out about the free staters. Anyway, one of them uh, was making sound like, oh, well, they're no big deal. They're nothing. They're nothing. And I said, well, if we were nothing, why are you, why are you spending time on us? Why are you spending time trashing the Free State Project? Because we are something. And yeah. the, the Free Staters I mean, here are making a difference. I mean, what, what, what do they keep saying? Uh, first, they ignore you, and then they... <laughs> they laugh at you. They laugh at you, and then they, then fight, they fight you. And, you. And oh, then sorry, they nobody, nobody, nobody just stepped in, but now your mic's on. I apologize. I'm the late nobody. Here you are. Better, better have you here late than never. What were you saying? Um, I was saying... Uh, First they first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Correct. The yeah. Correct. And we are in the uh, the firmly in the fighting phase here. They they are not ignoring us. Very early days still, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So um, I've got more of this footage here. Brody Deshays is the tool, the uh, the young guy that they put out in front here to represent the state, to represent the uh, the union, to pimp the you know to to intimidate or to attempt to threaten, in some cases, the state representatives into doing his bidding and the union's bidding, which is to say not allow the people of New Hampshire to vote on this question. That's ultimately what these reps did, was they denied yeah. the people the right to vote. I would think that even, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and I'm firmly in the let's get divorced camp, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure that the vote would not... Um, that we would not get a majority on our side, even if the vote were to occur. So I I've got to yeah. wonder, mm. what are they afraid of? Are they just afraid of finding out what that number is? Yes, I, I suspect that they are, because... It, We've, because I also think that number is much higher than people yeah, think. I, yes, I, I think the reason, you know, I think part of the reason that they're scared is because they actually realize that there's a lot more support for this than, uh, you know, they 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 want to admit. Basically, either that or they're afraid that there's more support than they want to admit. They, they, mm. We don't really know. The most recent study that was done looked. They do at, a lot of polling, though, so I would guess that they have at least a clue. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is there was a study that was done, I think it was 2021 or 2020, fairly recent, where they looked at, uh, the question was essentially, if your state were to secede and join a union of nearby states, would you support that? So it wasn't pure secession. Yeah. It was secession with a new union. Sure. But mm -hmm. so like New England would have its own union and then, you know, the the West would have its own union or the Southeast, that kind of thing. See, that would be problematical for me because 
Um, I would say that the Northeast, with the exception of New Hampshire, is probably yeah. worse politically than New Hampshire than uh, than the United States as a whole. No, I, I get you. I, yeah. I don't. I don't like that plan, but it's the best uh, study that I've seen in recent years because they did mm-hmm. ask people a question about secession, what? and a significant number of them were in favor of it. I can pull up the numbers here, but it was it was roughly a third of New Englanders said yes. It's you know what's interesting is the represent rep- representatives don't match up with the polling data of the masses, which means that they're not doing a very good job representing us. What do you mean? Well, I mean all these polls, no matter how you ask the question, it, it's always more than four percent, right? So you would think mm-hmm. that you know we'd have it, you know let's say it was a third, right? Mm-hmm. A third are for independence. Oh, I see what you mean. The uh, reps you would aren't... think that a third okay. of the reps would be for independence, but clearly you know we only had four percent, which suggests that we don't you know, know what they're not percentage. representing us very well. Well, we know what percentage voted for it, but we don't know what percentage thought it was a bad idea and what percentage were just cowardly. I'm going to presume that most of the free staters were cowardly on this. There's supposedly about 40, <laughs> supposedly 40 free staters in the state house. I don't know who they all are, but that's what I've heard. Forty. And that's what I've heard. That's what Jeremy Kaufman. Did, did we the, go? I thought we went from 20 to 30. Uh, according to uh, Jeremy Kaufman, who's the executive director of the Free State Project 40? right now, he's saying more than 40. Uh, it depends on how you define define Free Stater, too. Is he saying movers or I don't people know. who are associated with the movement? Not sure. That, those are very different numbers. Yeah, I was going to say, the FSP yeah. you know, itself said it went from 20 to 30 between the last election cycle and this one. That's why I'm just curious where the 40 came from. You'll maybe, have to ask him. Maybe he means friends of the Free State. He used the term free stater. I don't know. Whatever that means, it generally means somebody who cares about liberty. Uh, The number is 603-283-6160, but most of them didn't vote for uh, this particular amendment. We're coming up. It's Free Talk Live, and the phones are open. If you want to join the show, you can at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. By the way, I want to say thank you to Steve Lemansky, who is a Free Talk Live supporter, via our AMPS program over at amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. You can sign up there. It's our Patreon and it allows you to uh, support what we do here on Free Talk Live. Get some cool benefits from doing that as well. So Steve signed up as a gold, which means he's doing at least 10 bucks a month. Thank you, Steve, for the assistance there. And uh, we appreciate it. Over at amps.freetalklive.com, you can join up there. That's amps.freetalklive.com. As we continue here, we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. And then I'll play some of the audio from the House floor yesterday at this historic hearing that, I don't know. Historic and hysteric. Has this ever happened before where the people, where there was actually a constitutional amendment put forth to try to peacefully allow the people to peacefully secede from the United States. Did that happen during the southern See, states? I think, I think it's the wrong first step, personally. Oh, yeah. What's the first, what should it be? I think the first step should be for our state to pass a constitutional amendment saying that if any state should secede from the Union, we will do everything in our power to prevent the federal government from going to war with that state, Mm -hmm. including refusing to send our National Guard 
to fight our former countrymen. And I think we should push that amendment in every state where it has even a chance of passing. Maybe where it, maybe even where it doesn't have a, a chance of pa- passing, but get as many states as possible on that. We won't hmm. go to war to keep other states in I mean, the union. One of the, one of the problems I think with that is it's a complicated message. It's hard to uh, you know it, you know one of the things I liked about the, this constitutional amendment was it was short and simple, and yeah. there was nothing to get confused about. That it's twelve is confusing. words. Um, we won't go to war to keep other states in the union. I, I still think <laughs> I still think it's I, I still think it's a more confusing message uh, than you know independence. Well, there right? are, the good news is there's already a bill uh, that somebody put forward this session in the New Hampshire State House that, mm. and I don't know if it's passed or not. I don't recall the status of it, but the proposed legislation would prohibit the state or would prohibit the National Guard from being able to be called up by the federal government unless there's a declaration of war. Now, I'm not sure if that is written as only to foreign usage or if it's just in general there needs to be a declaration of war. I suspect it's foreign use, but... Yeah, I mean, if it's general, that would would put create some interesting constitutional questions because the federal constitution allows calling out i does it i doesn't say the militia i don't know exactly what it says but it says something along it it lists the purposes under which the the president can call up mm-hmm. the uh um the armed forces and one of those i think is civil unrest mm. Um, so it would be very interesting. I mean, I would still support it. I don't think the military should be used for that purpose. Indeed. Um, you know, you know, what might be an interesting uh, change uh, if something's not independence, but something, a change to our constitution that, that basically would um, not, it wouldn't declare independence, but it, it simply would basically change the status of our constitution to clarify that it it, it supersedes sort of i guess the u.s constitution mm-hmm. um because i mean to make that clear to people yeah i mean it's i mean obviously right now it's it's understood that the u.s constitution you know supersedes but it's not supposed to. Uh, yeah, right. The, the U.S. I Constitution mean, came after the state. So, right, yeah, I, I see what right, you're saying. Right. It's not a bad idea. Let's um, bring Ridley on here. Dave Ridley from New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, gentlemen. Hey. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, I, I have uh, some thoughts regarding how uh, a ceasefire could be implemented unilaterally in Ukraine. Okay. Yeah, I honestly don't know what uh, has been going on. They've been so busy with uh, NH exit stuff. What's uh, What's the latest over there? I'm trying to do both, <laughs> but the uh, uh, well, you know, the Ukrainians are doing well uh, in in many ways, uh, you know, compared compared to what was expected. So it's kind of a repeat of the Finnish War of 1939, where the Russians go in, they think they're going to have a cakewalk, and the Finns the Finns just eviscerated the Russians uh, in 1939, and that's kind of what the Ukrainians are doing, uh, and it gives them the opportunity. The Ukrainians could act unilaterally at this point. Uh, from this you know, kind of a position of strength that they have uh, in, in many ways. So, uh, and, and any, any side in this war could act unilaterally. Uh, for, for example, Ukraine could uh, basically just make a small ameliorative gesture 
for example, like, uh, you know, a, a small prisoner release or some humanitarian gesture or something like that, make sure it's really well publicized and put pressure on the Kremlin to, to make a very small ameliorative gesture of its own that doesn't hurt them, right? So if, if the Kremlin, if the Kremlin refuses this, then Ukraine just gets stronger because look, we did this ameliorative, we, we tried to stop this, we did this ameliorative gesture and they didn't respond, right? So the West would become enraged. Uh, and the same way Kremlin, the Kremlin could do this in Ukraine right now, they could do some small ameliorative gesture, get it well publicized, um, and then uh, put pressure on Ukraine to do just some, some small uh, ameliorative gesture in response. You're it, saying that's time, if either it, side wanted to de-escalate the conflict, they could do that. Yeah, so this could this create I'm not this sure they do. An es- like an escalating series of de-escalations if that if that makes sense. Any side in this war can do that by themselves right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could. Uh, it doesn't seem that uh, that Putin is particularly interested in that. Uh, but then again, you know, P- according to Putin, he's just there to defend the republics that had declared independence uh, back in 2014 from ongoing alleged ongoing attacks. Uh, so, I mean, he doesn't seem like the de-escalation type once he's, you know, he's sunk his teeth into something. But I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be wrong. Well, if you want a suggestion for formulating your, your proposal, I don't know who you're going to submit it to or how you're going to submit it, but one thing that you might want to note in there is the original meaning of the word parole uh, was not about criminal um, criminal criminals at all. The original meaning of c- parole was when somebody was captured in war um, – and they were and they were released because it's expensive to keep prisoners of war. Um, uh, they would give their parole um, that they would not return to the fight if they mm. were released. And the reason that's important is because a promise given under duress is not legally or morally binding, but a parole is always given under duress, and it uh, and it gets over that um, that issue. So it's just something to consider when you're writing this thing up. Uh, Ridley, can we can we can we keep you on and talk about something we have control over, which is New Hampshire? I'd love to get your opinion on the New Hampshire exit status. Okay, hang on here. More coming up here in moments. Because we really can't do anything about uh, Ukraine and Russia except watch and see what's next. The number is 603-283-6160. You can join us here and share your thoughts. This is Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live, the phones are open and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Chris. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. And then coming up, Chris has a story about this bank transfer system that uh, is being accused of 
rampant fraud. And we'll get into what their response is about that on the way. Well, it's not surprising considering the entire banking system is based on fraud. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. I figured uh, that'd be a good topic here tonight. So we'll get into that. But first, we're talking also the latest on uh, some of the latest out of Russia. Uh, But first, we're going to go back to Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. Dave, a longtime supporter of New Hampshire independence. As you know, the bill for independence, the constitutional amendment, was on the House floor for the very first time ever. A very historic event yesterday, even though it did not work out, as I don't think any of us really expected that it would. Uh, Only 13 people voted in favor of it out of 336, I believe, that were uh, in attendance for the vote. But I don't think we had a chance to get your response uh, and your thoughts on maybe what the next step should be. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dave, as somebody who's been uh, involved in this thing from the from the very beginning? Uh, yeah, first, I didn't get a chance to finish my thought on, on Ukraine. Uh, okay. The objective in, in, in the Ukraine piece that I'm suggesting is aim for what happened in Finland in 1940, where you have a short war. Uh, Finland is not radicalized to any large extent. Uh, the, the right, the, the, you, you, Finland got got a chance to establish that you don't mess with Finland, but Russia got enough ground. You know, they won enough territory to sort of bury their dead. Um, so that's what needs to probably be the aim of any peace in in Ukraine. Is try and repeat kind of what happened in Finland, where you don't you don't get a you, don't, you the country's not destroyed, the war's short. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you there's no appeasement. The line is drawn. But, uh, you know, uh, you, you, Ukraine uh, gets to prove that it's the badass, but uh, uh, Russia also, you know, gets a little bit of territory. That's probably, again, it happened in the Finnish war, and it was not such a bad outcome. So um, that's probably the aim here. I mean, it's better, than, it's better than appeasement, and it's better than nuclear war. Okay. Well, I think you should anyway. give Putin and Zelensky a call and, and Let make know. that suggestion. Yeah. Um, I suspect they're yeah, not listening wrote, to I us. Wrote, wrote, you know, while we're on <laughs> the subject of Ukraine, I learned an interesting thing today, which is uh, Facebook has changed its policy, mm-hmm. and it is no longer um, forbidden to praise the uh, the segment of the Ukrainian military, which is explicitly neo-Nazi. And apparently it wasn't allowed to say anything positive about them, but you're now allowed to if they're fighting the Russians. But the interesting thing about that to me is that I didn't. I wasn't really aware that there was a segment of the Ukrainian military which is explicitly neo-Nazi. Oh yeah, that's and that's kind of important to know. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Uh, in fact, that's one of the reasons why Putin says he's doing what he's doing. He yep. says one of his goals is to denazify Ukraine. Yeah, well, that's definitely something that he's said. I think your average. Um, American would say that's just Russian propaganda, nope, but no, they're they're really it, there. Apparently, you, you know what it sounds like to me. It sounds like an excuse to invade Ukraine, and a little more, even though there's probably true, like there's probably some truth to it. But. Well, it kind of it kind of goes a long way toward eliminating the idea that there's a good guy in this. No, there's war. definitely no good guys um, when it comes to governments in the world. Uh, so, Ridley, your thoughts on New Hampshire exit yesterday? The bill came up for a vote. It went down, uh, sadly, with uh, 323 to 13. 
But a lot of people are saying this is a good start. What do you think? What's your analysis of this? Okay, I still wasn't finished. The article is uh, at freaking.com okay. about Ukraine. But freaking.com article about Ukraine. Got it. But okay, now I can talk about it. Now I can talk Great. about independence. Yes. Yeah. This was this was we've gotten further than we thought we'd ever get. This was not designed to get votes. It was designed to get attention and it's absolutely mm-hmm. achieving that. Apparently, we finally like our, our great success is in defeat here right now because <laughs> we we've broken through and all the media is talking about it it seems like. So, that's good. Right, so the media is, of course, now gloating. Oh, yeah, it went down in flames, and New Hampshire state reps are saying they're with the union. And what are you seeing in the media? I saw there was an AP story uh, about it that was getting picked up in a lot of places. Have you seen other national coverage? I guess the Washington Post had something on it, Mm -hmm. uh, and I I haven't started looking yet, actually. I was just, I was absorbing links that were posted by other people, and those are now posted as a post. post on forum.shiresociety.com where I've listed all the articles that I know of so far, uh, but I haven't even started looking directly for mm-hmm. articles yet. I've just been posting the ones that, have, that I accidentally ran into. I, I am curious uh, how they're... Uh how they're kind of framing this now um, is, are they blaming this on like the free staters, like in the stories that they're writing up? Like, no, the whole... not that I've, not that I've seen. I mean, certainly the Democrats that's on too their, bad on their well, Twitter posts. Well, right. That's kind of what, what I'm thinking. It's well, no, like the Democrats on their Twitter <laughs> posts are absolutely blaming, blaming the free, free staters. staters. Right, well, right, right. Good. That means we're getting a lot of press out of it. Well, and people right. who didn't know there was a free state project are now going to hear about it from their crazy uncle absolutely. who hates us. And, and this is, and that's one of the, I actually think it would be a good thing for them to blame the free staters because it brings attention to uh, the movement and the fact that there are people working towards you know greater freedom as opposed to if they don't then you know I mean we we might be making some progress here but it's still it's it's not to the same degree probably I mean how many states have even had something like that introduced into the legislature in the last century I, I don't think we've ever had a state as far as I've, we've been able to find any way that has implemented some sort of constitutional amendment for independence. In the last century, certainly nothing. Uh, but I, I do, I've still asked the question and I have not yet gotten an answer. Like during the Southern Rebellion, uh, were there constitutional amendments down there or was it just the legislatures who just declared we're out? How did that go? What were the, what were the processes in the different states down there? That's that's an interesting question and there have to be historians who know the answer to it. Um, I mean, I know that there was a declaration made that, if I recall correctly, um, actually borrows a lot of language from the original Declaration of Independence. Um, there's Dave. Did you just there's say this, boo? there's this idea, there's this concept I call it the Tokyo Rose process. So Tokyo Rose, you know, she used to report Japanese victories closer and closer to Tokyo, <laughs> right? right. Uh, and it's just sort of the same way with this, like the initial complaint about us was like, well, you're just some protesters at a building. And then, then it was, well, you're just, you're just have some legislation. Well, now, you, now you're just some people who have legislation with seven co-sponsors. Oh, now you're just people that have legislation that's gone all the way through the process and had a three-hour hearing and 75 people showed up to support it. But now you're just these people that, that, that you know, uh, that have the house to vote on it. Uh, you know, so we, what? And now you're just these people that have massive publicity. So yeah. we're, just, we, we, we're, we're moving forward. 
Yeah, oh, and, yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting because it's actually looking at this from a different perspective. They didn't vote to table it. Uh, you know, they could they have tried. Just, they tried and they could have just gotten rid of it and, and not had three hours of it wasn't know, three hours. It was a half hour, a half hour of the debate hour, or whatnot. Uh, hearing was the one we were at. Yeah, he's referring to the open session where anyone could testify. But yeah, um, Ridley, one other thought before you uh, before you go. What do you think should be next? What should we do differently in the next year? Um, should this thing be brought up as is a second time or should there be a different approach uh, this coming year or what? Well, one of the state reps a couple of months ago, um, the, she, she was declining to become a co-sponsor and she told me, uh, I, you know, she wanted a study committee. Um, and um, so there is some support for study committee. Um, you know, I, I think that we've gotten the conversation started and that does one of the reasons for having exit legislation is that it, it creates a situation where now people are starting to talk about the details and how it would work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a really important conversation that, for instance, Slovenia did not really get a chance to talk about that much before they were independent. Uh, and Yep, we by, certainly by have plenty of time at this point. Thank you, Dave, for the call tonight. Dave Ridley there from RidleyReport.com. We continue at 603-283-6160. You can join the show. We'll get some audio from the House floor with NH Exit on the way. Talk live. The phones are open here. You can join us at 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 6160 in the studio here tonight. It's Ian. Nobody. And Chris. You can bring up anything you want. And don't forget, Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. Ready to learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash? You can do that over at Bitcoin.com. Just click Get Started at the top of the page. Of course, that's not all they have at Bitcoin.com. They've got a ton of useful features. You can buy your first Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or Dash or others. They've got a bunch of different cryptos that you can purchase directly there, I believe, just using your debit card. Uh, over, I've not tried it myself because I'm not allowed to buy cryptocurrency <laughs> under my bail conditions, but I've seen the option. Uh, you can go to Bitcoin.com, look around. There's a lot of cool features there. And if you're not brand new to crypto, you want to get the latest news headlines, just head over to news.bitcoin.com. That's news.bitcoin.com. As we head to the phones, to the fun, we got Stephen on the line in Georgia, North Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Stephen. Hey, um, so I heard... Y'all's conversation I thought was fairly interesting about how southern states defeated. I can't speak for every southern state, but I know that Georgia, um, essentially our Georgia State Congress voted on it in uh, 63 to secede. Okay, so Um, it wasn't put to a vote of the people. It was just the Congress directly who said they won out. No, and, and the way that the Georgia, the way that the Georgia school system wants you to understand Georgia sovereignty is um, we separated ourselves from Great Britain, um, and then we chose to unite ourselves with the United States. Um, mm-hmm. And then in 1863, we chose to walk away from that agreement. Um, and then, depending on who you listen to after that, um, either A, um, the evil United States uh, forced us back in. Um, with violence and reconstruction, or B, um, we lost the war, therefore we had to submit. Um, and so that's that's one state. I can't speak for the other six, but that's one state. 
Hmm. I, I'm go. curious, though, when they voted, was it a law that they passed or was it a constitutional amendment? How did they how did that was, come to be? It was a law. Hmm. It was just a regular law, a regular old law. Fifty one percent needed to, to to declare it. Georgia's secession from the union followed nearly two decades of, oh, crap, uh, of increasing intense segregation. But that's not the article. Um, it was a fairly, it was a fairly clean cut vote. I think it was like 280 something to 35. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, yeah. Because once again, you have to remember the South, um, and I'm not, I'm not taking sides here, but the South said that, um, this was a war on states' rights, and it was going to affect the pocket. Well, um, which, like Georgia, like to this day, our emblem, our seal is cotton, right? So when you tell everyone that you're going to take away their cotton and their ability to produce cheap cotton and their ability to feed themselves, very few people are going to say, yeah, let's, let's stay a part of that system. I'm with you, Stephen. Uh, anything else you want to share tonight? Yeah, um, if New Hampshire secedes, I'm moving. Groovy. (laughs) Um, Can I suggest that that will probably happen quicker if if you make the investment in coming up here and helping us yeah, work not, on getting out. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that just don't have the, the commitment. Uh, I would love for those people who say, because there's a lot of people like that who say, oh, yeah, I'll come on up if y'all secede. So, okay, we get to do all the work. <laughs> and, uh, and then you just get to come on up and en- enjoy the benefits, which you certainly would be free to do in a free New Hampshire, because hopefully we would have open borders and, oh, and true, sure. true freedom here. But, yeah, we could get this done a lot sooner if uh, everybody who's said they were going to come later would just come now and you know get this done thank you for the call Stephen. appreciate it uh, the number here is 603-283-6160 and there's people who've said that about it uh, almost every issue yeah if you guys legalize weed i'm coming up there yeah right okay well mm-hmm. we're not really I that mean, excited about that because we you're not going to help us now so why would you the, help us later I mean, the way the way you accomplish these things is not by waiting until something happens it's by yeah. going and doing it yeah and then and then you you do and that's we, the nice thing about new have, hampshire is we get the doers yeah. we get the people who are willing to get started and do things right now and we we definitely punch above our uh our weight class i guess mm-hmm. it, it definitely in terms of like politics in new hampshire um we make up a very small minority but we we have a heck of a lot of reps you know uh and support and everything else and it's because you know it's because we get out there we do the activism we do we run we throw more uh, uh people up to run for office so more people get elected it doesn't even matter you know it doesn't even matter what what you say it's just the fact that you put more people up more people get elected so yeah i'm just looking here at a story about uh state secession back in the 1800s south carolina uh, florida alabama georgia and it does look like they had delegates uh, so it wasn't mm-hmm. a straight up vote of the people. It was they had like secession conventions and delegates went to that convention and and they voted there uh, to secede. So I don't see anything just here at a glance that there was any kind of vote of the people or is it I don't know. Are there other kind of conventions? It said a secession convention here. So some sort of a special uh, hmm. uh, convention to secede or vote on it. It does say here that in Tennessee. There was a vote, apparently. There was a statewide election, and they had rejected secession at that time. And then the delegates then voted for secession after that fact. So maybe Tennessee did have an actual vote. 
Anyway, if you know more and you want to weigh in here, you're welcome to join us at 603-283-6160. But as far as a constitutional amendment is concerned, I've not seen anything about that ever happening before. And the thing I really like about New Hampshire's approach, or at least its first attempt, which hasn't worked this time, uh, but usually political things don't work the first time, so it takes multiple attempts. I like the idea of the constitutional um, amendment because it requires a supermajority. Yeah, And so there's no one who can say, oh, that was just a fluke vote or whatever. Oh, you got 51% by a nose, right? Uh, most people still didn't want this. They just didn't show up at the poll. No, if you get 67% of the people who vote to say goodbye to the United States, I mean, that's a pretty much a mandate at that point. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. It wasn't even close, right? Mm. So, uh, so that's good. And plus, it then has to get through 60% of the state house and 60% of the state senate. So the bar is high, and that means it's going to be difficult to accomplish that. We have a lot to do in order to make this thing possible. And one of the things that needs to get done is some of these pro-America, pro-Union, pro-Empire state reps, they got to get voted out. I yeah, mean, they just sure. have to get replaced. The modern Tories, and I mean, mm-hmm. and, and some of this again, some of this is we need to we need to throw more people up to run more liberty minded people yeah. up just to run for office because a lot of these people aren't hard to get elected. It's just numbers. You need to have enough yeah. people running in order to get them elected. If you just don't have anybody running against the only opponent, you know, if there's only one person running and they're not one of your people, there's no way for your people to get elected into office to to actually change make the change. So this is one of the reasons why, you know, you need to have more people moving and, you know, absolutely moving and doing. And we have that. That's happening. And we're at record levels now with movers and hopefully more coming this year. It certainly sounds like it when we talk to the the realtors like Mark Warden, the Porcupine Real Estate. He actually I've heard that he actually has had to turn people down. Uh, he's the, had to hire staff because yep. he can't handle the, the load. Right. Uh, he's super busy. now. And now two things are going to be different the second time around on this secession bill. Let's, let's presume the same exact bill gets filed, and it can be filed, by the way, as soon as next year. Because I thought it can only happen every two years. Is rule, that only for let like, me clarify. The bills? Rule, let me clarify. The rule is it can only happen once per two-year term. And so we're in the second oh, year right now of the okay. two-year term. So the new term starts next year. So they could file it next year, or they could file something different next year and then wait till 2024. Hmm. Um, so, but it could be filed next year. But let's say it is, and this whole thing, this whole process starts over again. Two of the objections that came up this time around, we're going to have evidence to say they don't apply, hopefully. One is the 13 people, the heroes that voted for this, the with some people with an actual spine in the state legislature, the 13 men and one woman, uh, 12 men, one woman that voted for this, will they get reelected in November? Of those who run for reelection, will they succeed at getting reelected? That's going to be, you know, clue number one that this isn't that this issue isn't a career killer because there's a lot of right. state reps who are concerned that they're not going to get elected if they vote for this. So they may support quietly. They might agree with state uh, independence, but they're afraid of what the voters are going to do. I, yeah, I honestly like when I, when you look at the fact that they didn't table it it seems like they're, I mean, they listened. I mean, the fact that no, they're... No, no, no. They only didn't table it because the Democrats wanted to get a roll call vote so they could target the people that voted for oh, it. But regardless, it okay. still worked for us because we wanted to get a roll call vote right, so we right, could target absolutely. the people that voted against yep. it. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, so not only the question is, can they be reelected? And if so, then that wipes that objection off the table, right? If these guys get reelected. Secondly, if no one is charged with treason 
as the the state reps were saying they would be, then that proves that there's no criminal charges that could happen to the state reps by going for this thing. And I suspect we're not going to see anyone charged with treason of these 13. There's more coming up here. Hour two's on the way. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today, video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You dial in, bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Chris. 603-283-6160. You can join the show, bring up whatever is on your mind. We were talking a little bit about the New Hampshire exit amendment that did not succeed Yesterday, sadly, 323 to 13 was the vote to kill the bill. And uh, 13 brave, 12 brave men, one brave lady voted for this particular thing, voted to not kill it. Well, you know what they say, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Yes, indeed, and that is certainly going to be the plan here in New Hampshire. We have now gone further than any of the other secession movements in the United States. And I got to give a lot of credit to the Texans. I mean, they do have a huge level of support there, but unfortunately the bottleneck in Texas is their political system. It's just not accessible. The the powers that be have more control there. So the uh the referendum that they tried to put forward last year it was like January of 2021 when this thing was announced, it didn't even get into a committee. Yeah. So it didn't get a public hearing, which we had a public hearing, as you guys pointed out, was three hours in length uh, that happened back in, I think it was January when that transpired here. And then every bill has to get a public hearing in New Hampshire and every bill makes it to the floor of the state house. And so they tried to table it. They tried to basically kill it before they killed it, <laughs> which is what a tabling would do. It would prevent any kind of meaningful discussion or prevent any kind of uh, meaningful vote. But luckily, the Democrats wanted to out anyone who would vote in favor of this thing. So they voted against the tabling as well as the presumably the 13 people that voted to not kill the bill. So Democrats plus the 13 was able to outnumber the Republicans who wanted to table the bill. (laughs) And so then it went to an actual discussion on the floor. And I'm going to continue. I've got some audio from the state house floor. I think it'd be uh, be useful to play that here. Can historic occasion. But first, let's go to Sarah. She's in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live, Sarah. Okay, hold up. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that a rail runner. Uh, the there's a train service that goes from Albuquerque to Santa Fe. We now have the highest passenger um, 
number ever because um, the, the the gas prices went up. Mm-hmm. So we have so many people riding the train, and and I'm so excited. And uh, we also upgraded. We got. You Wi-Fi. always get happy when other people are not. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, well don't, don't you think it's fun? They're not the taking the train because they want to take the train. They're taking the train because they're in economic pain. That was a yeah. lot of in words there. Um, yeah, enjoying people's other people's suffering is. I don't know if that's where she's coming from on this. Sarah just likes it when people use public transportation. I don't think that she's experiencing uh, schadenfreude where she's actually getting pleasure from other people's pain. Are you, Sarah? You're not getting pleasure from this, right? Oh, no, no. I My my excitement is over people that uh, public transportation. Yeah, see, she's yeah, just got a thing that. for a, ch- a choo-choos. Okay. She likes a choo-choo. And so whenever people are on They've the They've got great trains in China. <laughs> you should visit at least. You might like it there. There's I, no freedom at all. Uh, well, you know, that sounds like your kind of place. Th- actually, there was a well, guy. You know that, that, um, go ahead. Well, you know that I'm a green energy person, right? I'm a Democrat, and we're all about uh, clean air. And that's the reason why I'm really excited. The less gasoline that we use, the less uh, petroleum um, How does the so train go uh, on its like? What makes the train move forward? Is it coal fired? I well, I, I don't know. Diesel. Well, how how do they? It's not. It's not. Um, it's not those magnetic levitation train that they got in Europe. Right. Japan, so it's probably really as nobody train. puts it running on diesel fuel. Right. You don't know. You have no idea. I, I, I guess. I guess they. But you know something. It caught. Um, it's better than like three hundred cars going to Santa Fe and back. That's more emissions. Right. You Not would... if you want to go in the middle of the night. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to understand. Are or you... go somewhere the train tracks don't go. <laughs> Sarah, mm. I, got, I got a question for you. Are you a communist or are you a Democrat? Well, you know, have you figured out that the Democratic, the communists work with the Democratic Socialist Party? Don't you, don't you think that they're of the same party? Well, I, I mean, do. it's not... Yeah, it's not exactly the same, but the thing about it is that the communists have to work with a socialist democratic party. The communist, like uh, communist, uh, uh, the Obama was accused of being a communist. They call communist Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. All of Democratic Party is a socialist party. Do you feel like people should be forced to ride the train? That they should have to give up their cars, and everyone should have to ride the train or take the city bus? No, 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 not no. force. Okay. okay. Not force, but it's available so people are taking advantage of it. Since now, what about using force high. to uh, put train tracks through places? Like, for instance, you might have to steal somebody's property from them and add new train tracks through there. Would you be in favor of that? Well, isn't that called eminent domain? That happened to a lot of people. That, yeah, that yeah, that's exactly planning. what it's called. That's the euphemism for stealing people's property. Eminent domain is just theft in five syllables. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I do I do support that one condition. It means for the benefit of the whole society. If it's for the well, greater who decides? Good, the our well, five hundred I mean, owners in Washington. I mean the they whole... own us, they make all our decisions for us. They can do whatever they want to us. That, that sounds also uh, also kind of misleading because like is there anything that benefits the whole of society? No, everything benefits some and harms others. 
right, right. That's correct. But that's the the number of the breakdown. If it's going to benefit 90% of the population, and they're going to benefit, but maybe 5%, they'll lose their home or their whatever they have. And, you know, Sorry. I mean, that's the. You can go live in the so welfare houses the, with Sarah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But nobody wants to sacrifice. That's the problem. And then nobody, no, sacrifice. everybody wants to sacrifice. Nobody wants to be sacrificed. You know, they have the same problem in the Aztecs. The guy whose heart was getting cut out always fought back. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if we do those. But, you know, I just want to say that we had a lot of problem when we were being the, um, the ART, the uh, bus transit, the, the, a lot of people Thought. Whatever happened with that thing? You, you used to call in about the, this right. rapid transit, this uh, government right. boondoggle that was funded by the federal government or something, and it cost a ton of money. Did they ever well, finish that is, job? Well, well, well it, um, it has, and it's just wonderful. It's the best air conditioning. It's rapid, um, and it has really improved How our How many businesses our, our had to die because of that? Because there were a lot of businesses that were shut down due to this thing being installed nearby wherever their business was, and it basically killed their business because no one could get into the parking lot because, you know, construction crews Ooh. out there for a year but, or whatever. Do you have any idea how many businesses went under because of this? Well, I don't, I don't really have the data, but, but that was the sacrifice. But it was some of them. Those people, you they didn't want to give it. You're well, always I'm... happy to sacrifice somebody else. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you. Sarah is the one who decides who, what benefits society. <laughs> Thanks for the call tonight. The number here is 603-283-6160. But that's reality. People went out of business because of this rapid transit thing. So, you know, some homeless people could get from point A to point B quicker. I guess they got thrown under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So the number here, if you want to join the show, it's 603-283-6160. And if we are to, or when we are to secede, we will no longer be on the hook for these government development projects. Oh, did you guys hear that there was like a $1.5 trillion spending bill that the Congress just passed that no one had a chance to read? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do they ever? 2,000 plus pages. I think 2,700 wow. pages. And it was voted in a day after it was introduced. So literally nobody read it impossible and not me the other nobody yeah absolutely impossible (laughs) no one could possibly read that it is humanly impossible to read 2700 pages of legalese mind you in 24 hours but i'm sure everything in it was for the greater good (laughs) Oh, for sure (laughs) Uh, but you you define the greater good as paying off cronies of the politicians in order to read it you gotta pass it right Ian. (laughs) that's what they say yeah uh the number is 603-283-6160 there's another trillion and a half are we going to be at 40 trillion debt by the end of this year is that too uh is that too crazy to suggest that that's possible All I know is prices going up on everything. too crazy when it comes to the federal government. Yeah, it's true. More on the way here. You can join the show. It is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and the phones are open here. If you want to join the show, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian Nobody and Chris in the studio. And Freedoms Phoenix is a liberty-oriented news aggregation site. If you want the newest and freshest stories and perspectives on current events, 
From those who value liberty, you can find those at freedomsphoenix.com. They also have a daily dispatch that you can sign up for and stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. Freedoms with an S, phoenix.com. That's freedomsphoenix.com. We have been talking on and off about the New Hampshire exit bill that uh, or constitutional amendment that got proposed, went through the process, ended up on the floor of the state house yesterday where sadly it did die. Uh, it was killed 323 to 13, but it is, as you put it, nobody, just the beginning of a long process because whenever you start to try to change the political system, you've got to expect you're not going to win the first time out. Well, according to the medical examiner, it died of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to the uh, the state house floor here from the video that you can find over at video.freekeen.com. A uh, full 30 plus minute long floor discussion. What exactly happened? We played some of it last night, the first two uh, speeches, and this is the one from Brody Deshays. Now, this guy is the status tool. He is the young guy that the uh, the pro union people, the pro empire side, has been using to. Uh, to try to you know, threaten and intimidate the rest of the state house into doing their bidding. And so here is his speech. Well, thank you for, uh, for, for indulging me, Mr. Speaker, and thank you to the members of the house for, for listening. And I know I'll be brief. I'll be, uh, sin- I'll be um, succinct. First, let me say I'm amazed that I must speak as to why this is a bad idea, not only logistically but constitutionally. Why? This is impossible, why it's improbable, and why it's a violation of our oath to the U.S. Constitution and to the state of New Hampshire's Constitution. It is none of those things, but we'll get into that as he uh, divvies up what he has to say. I mean, if New Hampshire became un, un, uh, uh, successfully seceded, it could well be that the uh, such government as we had here was closer to what the Constitution mandates than what they have in America, which is nowhere near what Absolutely. the Constitution. Yeah. I mean, the, the if you're a friend of the Constitution, you should be figuring out how to put it out of its misery because <laughs> it's being tortured. Yeah, as uh, Matt Sandinastasso, who's a free stater and a state representative, one of the co-sponsors on the bill, said in his speech, which we played that yesterday. Uh, you know, he, he pointed out that the U.S. government has violated the Constitution countless times. It's, routinely. Yeah. If it was an agreement, it's been violated, yeah. like you said, over and over. And once a, con- once a contract has been breached, it ceases to be a it's, contract. And, and the crazy thing is, it's almost like if you're talking about like courts, it's almost impossible to get them to take your constitutional rights into account. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't happen. Right. I do not legislate. Oh, by the way, if you're gonna, if you want to play a drinking game at home, don't do it while you're in the car, please. But whenever Brody says the word "right" as he's speaking, go ahead and take a drink. Based on hashtags, and I do not think we should either. Just because something is purportedly trending, which I'm not on Twitter, so I've never seen it, right? <laughs> but let's be let's be honest. Let's be frank about what this is right now. This is a historic moment, not just in the state of New Hampshire, but it's a historic moment in America. This is the first time a legislative body has debated and will vote upon binding, binding secession. No, that is not true. Now, it may be one of the first times that a constitutional amendment 
and we don't we haven't been corrected on this yet if there is a correction feel free to call in at 603-283-6160 but a constitutional amendment that would allow the people to vote the binding part of this is not something that the uh, that the that the representatives are voting on they're not voting on binding anyone to anything except putting something on the ballot that's all that they were voting on here is should this question about peaceful independence for new hampshire should that be on the ballot well, I mean, if you're representing the federal government, you should open with a lie. Yes, and there will be many lies <laughs> here coming from him. Other secession movements that we've talked about, many of those are non-binding. They never get actual votes and debate on the floor. This is binding. It will be the first one debated since prior to the Civil War. That's a historic moment. That's also concerning that we're joining a very bad group of states that tried to overthrow the U.S. Constitution. Right. That tried to. No, not right. They did not try to overthrow yeah, the U.S. Constitution. This is absolutely crazy, too, because that's not what this bill would do. And an independent New Hampshire does not get rid of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> not in any it, way. In every other state, you would still have the U.S. Constitution. In New Hampshire, uh, I, I guess I don't know. Exa- I don't know exactly how this would, would un- unfold, maybe. But, you know, we would still have a constitution in New Hampshire. The so. New Hampshire Constitution right. was written before the U.S. Constitution. We, it's still in place, There's, and it would still be in place, and, and, and the U.S. Constitution, as you say, would still be in place. Right. We would just be out of it. And I think a lot of people don't understand this, but a lot of the state constitutions are – a lot of the uh, – they're actually – they're actually uh, stronger than the United States Constitution. New Hampshire's is certainly right. So that's most that's the case for most states. Um, so like this idea that like oh we would lose all our rights or something of that nature is, is he's nonsense. not even saying that. Yeah, he he's worried about the union. I know, overthrow I know. a a constitutionally elected and a constitutionally instituted government. I do not think this body should join such a group of states. We should not be joining those former Confederate states of America who were deemed treasons. You wouldn't be. If they <laughs> voted for this thing, all you would be doing is letting the people decide, which those other states didn't do, by the way. It was the, it was in the southern and, states, the representatives, the delegates or whatever, who voted for secession, not the people themselves. It's also, you're still not, and another crazy thing about this is he's suggesting that we be joining the southern states like like during the Civil War. This isn't the Civil War, right? Like, no. we're not, we can't join, even if, even he's if He's just saying we'd be bad boys like they were. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Guilt by crazy. We'd be in bad company. Even yeah, it's been 150 it's, years. That's just crazy, or whatever. Well, of course, if we did vote to secede, the other group of people that voted to secede from a union was the founding fathers mm-hmm. when they voted yeah. to secede from Great Britain, because which we, was illegal. We talk about the revolution. And the Civil War. Well, guess what? The Revolution wasn't a revolution, and the Civil War wasn't, wasn't a civil, civil War. Yeah. They were both wars of secession. Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting is it this this independence is more representative of not the Civil War, but the independence from Great Britain. Uh, yes. Both of them were empires, right? Yep. Um, you know, this one's worse, right? This one's worse. So if the taxes anything, are worse, the right. empire is worse. The warmongering uh, is worse. Right. We go on. Right. I see right over my right-hand shoulder here the man who beat back those who challenged our Constitution. Guess who he's talking about? He's talking about a picture of a historic figure. You wouldn't know it from uh, what he's saying, though. It's Abraham Lincoln. And defended it, right? 
the most U.S. service. Abraham Lincoln violated the hell out of the Constitution. Yeah. He suspended habeas corpus without a vote from Congress. He imprisoned newspaper right. editors who disagreed with them or exiled them. And there's not even a there's not even a notion of exile in the American. And he legal didn't system. give a damn about the slaves. Correct, correct, oh, correct no. me if I'm wrong, but he was a slave owner. I am not I sure. It wouldn't surprise so. me. I'm pretty sure he was a slave owner. He sure as hell didn't give a damn about them. He yeah. said whatever it takes to keep the union together. It didn't matter to him. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160, but DeShay sure does like Abraham Lincoln, yep. and he's pandering to him. There's more coming up here, and you can share your thoughts. We'll share more of this guy's speech. It's Free Talk Live. So you've signed the Shire Society Declaration and are planning your move to New Hampshire to be around more liberty-oriented people. Next, sign up for the Shire Society Forum at forum.shiresociety.com. There are a bunch of people there who are already in the Shire, and they want to meet you. If you're already in the Shire physically, you should also come by the forums. Remember, not everyone uses Facebook. New people are signing up for the Shire Society Forum every month. So drop in and say hello at forum.shiresociety.com. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is open for you at 603-283-6160. At 603-283-6160. In the studio with you here, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Chris. We're getting the pro-government perspective, the pro-empire perspective uh, against secession from Brody Deshays. He is 23 years old. He's one of the youngest state representatives in New Hampshire's 400-person state house. Well, there's still hope for him then. I was a socialist at that age. I got better. <laughs> this guy is supposedly a Republican. He is, by the way, one of the worst-ranked Republicans on the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance rankings. They come out with a ratings card every single year with all of the state reps ranked based on their votes. Like, how do they vote? Do they vote in favor of liberty more often than not, or not so much? And this guy is one of the worst uh, when it comes to the Republicans. Obviously, there's a lot of Democrats that are worse than he is. But when he's giving this speech, you might hear some applause. It's the Democrats who are actually <laughs> applauding for his speech. Now, the Republicans, for the most part, voted against the uh, the independence bill as well. But for whatever reason, they weren't as applaudy as the uh, the Democrats in the audience. And we you can tell who the Democrats were because they all sat together. They all had masks on, all except for three of them. I, I counted. Are they still masky? Yeah. No, oh, they, good God. I thought everybody, I thought everybody got over the no. pandemic once Putin They're still signaling. It. I've they're actually, still signaling you know, hard. It's, yeah, it's definitely interesting. I've actually noticed that there's still people wearing masks. And I, I think there was, I counted in, uh, what was it, like Chipotle the other day? Mm-hmm. I think there was about 20% of the people in Chipotle were, were wearing a mask. Does that, that include the staff? That included the staff uh, as well. So mm-hmm. it might have been the lower, you know, if the, if, if the staff... You know, we're not included. right because they're but, a corporate store, so they're right, all so they were mandated, up. possibly. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting because Keen, there is no mask mandate. I don't even think there's a mask mandate in New York anymore, right? I believe they got rid of it, except for children in New York City. Wait, Which, the children are required to wear masks? Oh children? yeah, young, that's, young that's happening. Well, that makes all no sense. over the country. No. They're they're making the oh, children wow. wear masks, even they even though they were never at risk from COVID. Nope. 
Um, and it's it's I I think it's just part of trying to crate train the next generation uh, to make sure that you know any independent thought is snuffed out yeah, and I mean, and disconnect them from any humanity and the ability mm-hmm. to even see someone smiling. You know, I, you know, people were saying about how, you know, uh, making ma- kids wear masks was abusive. And I kind of always rolled my eyes to that. But now that the adults are like not required to wear masks and you're requiring children to wear masks, that is clearly abusive. Oh, yeah. Especially As they were playing given- the Super Bowl without masks. There were children playing sports in the same city who were mandated to wear oh, masks. Man, so and sick. kids are falling out <sighs> all the time during uh, during athletic events because because they're masked wow yeah. yeah i would definitely not expect you know somebody to wear a mask or an athletic event given the uh need for air and oxygen let's go back to brody deshays from the uh the floor of the state house here he goes members that have died in any war was the civil war this body should not be proposing legislation that could throw us into the maelstrom of war right into the jaws of certain defeat don't leave your wife. He'll, don't leave your husband. He'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, really, the argument that these statists, that these unionists have, is the argument from fear. I mean, yeah. that's what it all comes from. Oh, they're going to start a war with us. Oh, they're going to come. They're going to come. They love us so much that if we try to leave them, they'll kill us. That's right. <laughs> it's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Yep. Sure is. Here, here's more. It's a terrible thing to do to our constituents, a terrible thing to do to Granite Staters. The terrible thing he's talking about would be to simply put something on the ballot so the people can vote for it. (laughs) If he believes that the people of New Hampshire are against secession, it would go down in flames on the ballot. What's to be so worried about? And and the crazy thing about this is he's literally, uh, you know, attacking democracy, right? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He doesn't want us to vote. He doesn't want the people of New Hampshire to vote. He wants to take away our right to vote yeah i gotta tell you what one of the democrats said to me because at one point all the dems were coming in together uh they all you could tell they all had masks on right yeah. so they're all coming in together and one of them actually admitted i'm sorry this is a, was an email but one in in person said he's a gatekeeper he doesn't want to let the people vote and in an email one of them said to me quote legislators can absolutely not trust voters with this decision unquote wow so i mean wow. that's that's what they think about democracy they're the gatekeepers it's, for the people yeah and that's kind of interesting because it's acknowledging that democracy is a failure it's actually. a fraud is yeah, what it's it is. A, it's a fraud it's a failure and they claim to be all about it yeah so Let's, let's also be clear about a number of other things when we discuss the Constitution, because I'm looking at this strictly from a constitutional issue, <laughs> right? The federal government is the only legitimate power to admit new states and extend or attract territorial boundaries. This is quite clear in Article 4. This has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the right to leave. Yeah, are we trying to admit a new state? Yeah. No. It, it, <laughs> are we trying to change the territorial boundaries? No. We're talking about state secession. The state mm-hmm. was its own nation before joining... And it will be able to leave. We're not asking them to retract their territory. <laughs> Territories are not states. Yeah, and allowing somebody to do something is, is is so it's different. It's not the same thing as like requiring them to do something. Um, they can allow a state or a territory to enter, but it, you know, mandating it, you know, or forcing them to is it is a totally different matter. Section three of our state constitution. Our state has never within its constitution and never has a federal government suggested that states can decide that they can leave or to join the government unless the federal government allows so. 
the government didn't suggest that because it wasn't written into the Constitution about secession, which means that it's not included in the Constitution, which means that it's a right reserved to the states under Article or under Amendment 10 of the U.S. Constitution. I, I'm still amazed by this argument because, at least for New Hampshire, and I believe some other states as well, it predates the U.S. Constitution. The and Hampshire we still Constitution have does, the New Hampshire yeah. Constitution. Yeah. So it, if it authorized it, then clearly it can take it away as well. And the New Hampshire Constitution also has provisions like the right to revolution, which very clearly right. <laughs> re- reserve the right to say, you know what, we can take down any government that we want to if we don't think it's working And any, doesn't even anymore. the United States uh, Constitution also include something of that provision as well? No. I, I thought the it did. The closest it comes is the Second Amendment, which implies... Well, the right to bear arms, right to isn't read. that... Isn't that also the whole implication of that? Is is I mean, isn't that what they're always arguing when they're arguing against gun rights? Is that the, the whole point of that was for a militia in order to... Yeah, but that's not explicit as to what the point of that okay, is. Okay, fair enough. But the, the point is, because the U.S. Constitution doesn't say anything about secession, it therefore is not prohibiting it. Right, and, there it, is and that is list. in the Constitution itself, there, where it says, uh, you know, anything that's not uh, reserved is, is, is delegated to the state the, or the people. Uh, it's the Tenth the Amendment. Tenth yeah. amendment All that you're powers about. not explicit, not uh, delegated to the um, to the federal government are reserved to the states or the people thereof. Correct. So, of course, the federal government has the power to to admit. Right. You can't just join a club without permission. Right? <laughs> right. So, of course, they have a process to admit someone into the or in a territory or whatever into the union. But there's no process for leaving because it's on the state. The state gets to decide. The state doesn't have to ask permission. Why would the people who just had an issue leaving a government, which I'm talking about the, the UK, the Prince or King George, why would the people who had that issue not leave a door open for the people who want to leave their new and, union and the it whole, doesn't make any sense and, and the whole process for the united states or forming the united states was ratification by this by the uh colonies in the first place and the so it's like obviously yeah. the colonies or the what became the states had the power to do it and so if they had the power to do it they can obviously undo it and if you read the articles of confederation the first words in it say this is a perpetual union those words were not carried over to the Constitution, mm. you know. Well, if they'd wanted to make it a perpetual union, they could have done so. But well, even if they it was, chose not to. even if it does, even if they did say perpetual union, the union doesn't go away That's if right. New Hampshire leaves. That's correct. So they because we still and, have it. and remember, we have added states, right? We've added territory. So obviously, if we can add territory, it if it changed the union, we can change the union in the other direction as well. Indeed. The number here is 603-283-6160. But the difference is we don't have to ask permission to leave. We just Absolutely. say we're going. Just say no, baby. We're just gone. say no. We're out. There's more coming up here from this arch statist on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. The phones are open. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight is Ian. Nobody. And Chris. And you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. We have a social media site, and we run the thing. It's on our server. That means Twitter and Facebook, they don't apply. They're not involved. They're not connected. And you can go and get connected to our social media server, which is running Mastodon, an open-source, self-hosted, federated system which is very very cool and it works great 
social.freetalklive.com. There are apps for whatever your favorite operating system is, Windows, Linux, uh, Android, iOS, and there's a bunch of them, too. So there's more than one app, which is the coolest thing, because you can try like three or four different ones or more and see whichever one is your favorite. Use that one. Yeah, and it works with other systems. So even if, you, if you've got Mastodon already, uh, you know, maybe you're not on our social uh, media instance. That's okay. You can still sub- you can still subscribe to. Uh, you can our follow. People. Yeah, you can follow yeah. people on our feed. Very cool. Check it out at social.freetalklive.com. We go back to your phone calls and thoughts, and then more from the floor of the state house with the uh, the very first time ever that the uh, constitutional amendment for allowing the people to vote on secession, peaceful secession, was heard on the floor of the state house. We'll continue with the arch status pro union pro-empire speech here in just a moment but uh, bad slave is up first yeah i i I just think it's very interesting that um in fact you know lincoln abraham lincoln decided basically on his own to to vilify uh, the southern states, and to basically turn them into rubble. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if that's a possibility with uh, the central government we're dealing with, why would anyone want to continue a relationship with that? Well, there's plenty of battered uh, people who believe that, you know, they can change their man or whatever, right? So there's all kinds of excuses to stay with an abuser. Despite all the battered women out there, I still like mine plain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the thing is, is that, you know, they're, they're, uh, it's, I, I, there, there seems to have been very little argument over the whole might makes right uh arrangement that uh that that had the uh you know what they call the civil war uh, a a positive thing i i you know i you know might when, makes uh, right when, leaves little need uh, or room we, for argument right we, we you know when we have uh, uh, North Korea and Cuba and and the Soviet Union when that existed and any other you know nasty communist dictatorships they don't let their people leave and and uh, you know I, the idea that 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 the United States would would you know put us into a you know, a war. What are you gonna? What are you gonna do? Just uh, go in and take out as as badly as they did uh, the South? Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a it's a good question. I don't think that they would personally, because again, there would be you know, presuming this thing passes with seventy percent, which is you know, would have to pass with at least sixty seven percent. That still leaves thirty percent of the state that are loyalists. Thirty percent of the the state would be empire supporters, and <laughs> then they are they going to bomb their own people? Thank you for the call tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Appreciate it. You know, well, hopefully they would be they would evacuate, or many of them would evacuate and be replaced by liberty lovers. That'd be nice. You know, yeah. and, and here's the other thing uh, about what Duche said. 
um, you know, ultimately, even if it was uh, it was socially acceptable to beat your wife, you know, during the Civil War, it's not OK today. So it, we shouldn't be uh, against the idea of states leaving today, even if people were against the states leaving, you know, yesterday. Yeah. And that's part of the point of this whole discussion. That's part of the reason why this bill was brought up to get people talking about it, to get the issue out there, to get some news coverage, to get talk radio uh, discussing the issue of independence, because the idea of a national divorce has been on a lot of people's minds and a lot of people's lips in recent, uh, the last couple of years. It's been trending on social media, and it's something that needs to be talked about, needs to be taken seriously. And so this is one of the steps in that process. And a lot of people you wouldn't expect have talked about it. Bill Maher. Uh, yeah, for example, some Hollywood uh, stars even have been supporting it. Yeah. Uh, Matt Santanastasso mentioned Sarah Silverman, uh, people on the left like Ron Perlman. Apparently, these are people who are supporting mm-hmm. the idea of national divorce. Yeah. And it and it makes sense that it would be uh, it makes sense across party lines, because if you think that the U.S. is more is too too conservative, then it makes sense to want the conservatives to leave or to want to leave yourself right so that you know your state is more more aligned with you we continue here with brody deshays the state rep who is in this case repping the empire we go on right there is no process for leaving this union right the union we don't need a process because they didn't specify one There, there is no process. That's part of the good. That's actually good news. The fact that they didn't put a process in means we don't have to go and ask for permission to leave. Well, we can just say it's over. I mean, and, we just and, marched in. We can just march out. And, yeah. and here's the thing, too, right? There was a pro. If there was some sort of, there was, I guess, some sort of process to create the union. Then mm-hmm. why can't we do the same process in reverse? Well, again, we don't need to ask their permission. There doesn't need to be a vote in I Congress. I agree. We we don't. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, obviously, New Hampshire was part of the process to create the union, so the New Hampshire can be part of the process to remove itself from the union. Yeah, and and that process is: Do we want to go? Right. Yes, we want to go. <laughs> right. Goodbye. As mentioned in Texas versus White, 1869, just Chief Justice Salmon P. Chase. Chief Justice Salmon P. Chase was appointed by. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. I, w- I wonder if he also voted on the uh, Dred Scott decision hmm. that, Good question. Uh, that said slavery was constitutional. Um, in this, in the, the case he's bringing up, this is the favorite case that the status, the union people love to bring up, is this Texas v. White. And there's an interesting article that I found over at one of the Texas uh, secession groups. I posted it on the NH Exit forum over at forum.shiresociety.com because it again it does always uh, get brought up but in short the decision that they made in this case doesn't actually cite any constitutional basis for the decision Uh, and they can't cite anything because as we've pointed out there's nothing in the u.s constitution that addresses being able to leave the union and as the article at uh, texassecede.com points out Quote, it's also noteworthy that two years after the court decision, President Grant signed an act entitling Texas to U.S. congressional representation, readmitting Texas to the union. So Mm -hmm. why would he have to readmit Texas to the union 
if indeed there was no way for them to leave in the first place. So you've got two very contradictory actions here on the part of the U.S. federal government. There there was um, was, uh, acts of Congress during the Civil War that were unconstitutional. Um, and the Supreme Court, if I recall correctly, kind of just, uh, you know, they kind of, they kind of just, they didn't care. Right. And they were like, well, we're going to allow, you know, this clearly unconstitutional, you know, behavior because the whole thing was a, you know, violent, you know, a violent war effectively. And, and, and war isn't about, you know, doing a procedure. It's about using violence to achieve your objective. Although they, uh, not, not they law. did trouble themselves uh, after the fact, not when it would do any good, but they did trouble themselves to uh, make it clear that Lincoln's actions were definitely unconstitutional. Uh, his actions specifically in suspending habeas corpus on his own authority without consulting Congress. And interestingly, the Texas versus White case came up because the government of Texas at the time uh, went to the U.S. government and said, uh, let's see, it was about bonds. So is it the uh, they Texas wanted to enter into bondage. No, like the money kind of bonds. Uh, U.S. bonds owned by Texas since 1850 had been illegally sold by the Confederate state dur- uh, legislature during the American Civil War. The state filed suit directly with the U.S. Supreme Court, which under the U.S. Constitution retained original jurisdiction on certain cases in which a state is a party. So after they seceded, they brought a case to the U.S. Supreme Court. Why did they? I mean, what a, what a key error to go to the U.S. Supreme Court and ask them for any kind of favor, ask them for any kind of judgment at well, all. I, I, you have to remember, though, that they effectively put into power the, the North, uh, the people in the South after the Civil War. So it's it's a, it's a different it's puppet government. Yeah, it's puppet government. All right. There's more coming up here in moments. You can join us. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, kicking off the third hour here, and you can join us. Phones are open, as always, 603-283-6160 is the number for you. That's 603-283-6160. Tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Chris. We're going to continue with more from the State House floor. Yesterday, the historic... Bill, a constitutional amendment proposal of uh, CACR 32 was heard in front of the full state house. For the first time. Uh, yeah, that's right. And it won't be the last time. Nope. Uh, whether the wording will change next time, I don't know. I like the wording personally that they went with this time around. As you said, Chris, it was very simple, very easy to understand. You know, there, there's one thing I, I think might be worth changing for next time around, and that's to remove the word peaceful. Ooh, it, why? It, it's not because we don't want peace i think it's just uh, it's it's i don't know i think it i think it's kind of to send a message you know we, i think we're peaceful tr- sends a message absolutely and we keep it mm-hmm. um but i think the point of removing it is to say this can change it's not that we're advocating well violence. no if they if they want to change it then they're the ones who are going to change it we're we're going to be peaceful we're not the it. ones advocating violence here here right i understand so, that but if you don't have that word in there i think people can jump to a conclusion people and if it's in people there, it's are clear. already jumping to conclusion whether the words in there mm-hmm. or not I, I like having it having it in yeah. there. Um, I you think know, it, there's no reason do, for us. I do too. Not to be peaceful if we're attacked. I do too. Afterwards, then that's 
another matter. I do right. too, but I think it's kind of like the the porcupine um, in that, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're peaceful until you're attacked, right? Okay. So, and it kind of sends that message of... Well, this is all about, you know, like you're saying, sending a message. Yep. You want to send a message that this is intended to be a peaceful movement. So I, I hope that, that uh, if that proposal gets gets made for the next one, that it gets shot down. Uh, but the number here, if you want to join us, 603-283-6160, and that's where Major Payne is calling from Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Yep, yep. You're peaceful till you're attacked. Just yes, like sir. going on in the Ukraine and just like went on in America here a couple hundred years ago. Um, there was only 3%. Well, in, actually, the, the South fi- fired the first shots in the no, Civil no, War the and that they shelled the Fort revolution. Sumter. Oh, the revolution, yeah. not the Civil War, dude. Okay, you're yeah, right, you're right. No, yeah, there was only 3% of the population that uh, supported the war. I mean, granted, we were fighting a dragon on the other side of the puddle, and now the dragon's in our own backyard, so it's probably going to take 10, 15% of us to rise to uh, make it even feasible. We but, exchanged uh, uh, one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away. Yes, yes, that was written in the book. Um, and as far as the, uh, the the unfettered, insane court, um, they, they handle 1% of the cases they're presented. I mean, this is like the, the three monkeys. You know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. They they don't want to take on anything that is any kind of challenging, and it's it's a it's 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 oh god I can't even think of a proper blah for it. You're talking about the Supreme Court. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the traditional um, humbug bah is always good. Bah humbug. Yeah, yeah to well, me the Supreme Court good. decision, uh, Texas versus White, which Brody Deshays the uh, the status that we're playing audio from from the floor of the state house uh, brings up is completely irrelevant. Because it's just a court opinion, and there's a million opinions when it comes to law, and the Supreme Court has reversed itself plenty of times, and we're not planning to ask the Supreme Court for permission uh, to go. It's not in the Constitution that they have the right to control uh, secession, and so we just get to declare that we're leaving, and then we go, and we act like we're gone, and that's all that it takes. Yeah, I like the little point that you brought up during the Grant administration where they had to recede um, Texas. After they had seceded, yeah, very uh, interesting indeed. Thank you. We were Major. adopted twice. How, how many? How many names do I have now? Um, but my original point I called in on was uh, the gas prices. Yeah, and the uh, the uh, oh, what did they call us? Un, us un, unreplaceable workers. Um, what was the word? Essential. 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 Yes, yes. I was an essential worker the whole time. And I go to the gas station and I go to the dollar store and, you know, these girls are making seven, eight bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. And the nurses that are exposed to this, I mean, they're making three, four times that. But by God, we've all been in the battlefield. I've, I've already kicked this thing's butt twice. I mean, th- this thing that we can't develop herd immunity is ridiculous. Thank you, Major, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. The number is 603-283-6160. Back to the floor of the... The gas prices would be so easy to solve. All you have to do is let American companies start drilling again. Yep, absolutely. Deregulate the business. Yep. 
Uh, we continue here more with Brody Deshays, the pro Empire state representative, speaking on the floor of the state house yesterday during the hearing prior to the vote on the constitutional amendment to allow the people to decide, which was killed three uh, hundred twenty-three to thirteen. Explained in his majority decision, a nine-zero decision, a New Hampshire native, in fact, Sam and Pete Chase was, <laughs> but um, that that. He explained that the Union began during the Revolutionary War amongst the colonies. In his decision, he writes, quote, We confirmed and strengthened and received de- definite form and character and sanction from the Articles of Confederation. And by these, the Union was solemnly declared to be perpetual, right? The Articles of Confederation of Perpetual Union. That's the name of the... Int- we're not under the Articles of Confederation. Yep, they were... Dis- it was never authorized, but they were dissolved when the Constitution was written. Entire document. Our country was founded originally by that document. But that's all that P. Chase, Sam and P. Chase could rely on in his decision was what this old document said, not the current one. And interestingly enough, that supposedly peaceful or that supposedly perpetual union ended yeah. when <laughs> a few years the, later uh, yeah, it did, when it. the uh, Articles of Confederation were rescinded. Yep. We then, Chief Justice Chase then explains that the current Constitution was ordained to form a more perfect union, and I quote, which extended to convey the idea of indissoluble unity. Therefore, the union can never... Which was never said anywhere in the, in the Constitution nope. at any point. You know, it's, it's actually interesting, the choice of words there is it's the same words that uh, Europe is using now uh, with uh, the European Union. Oh, Brexit left. They did, but uh, they're they're talking about unity as as far as Europe and Ukraine is concerned, and I, I think it's quite interesting. Brexit. When somebody, when a politician talks about unity, it generally means he plans to sacrifice you to his god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's what this really sounds like. I mean, this decision from Sam and Chase and uh, Brody reading it, it absolutely sounds like a religious text. Yeah. You know, oh, we're, uh, we're just the way they talk, the way they do everything. It's a really bizarre religion. We kind of talked about that yesterday. Be dissolved. Anyone who thinks and purports that they can dissolve the union single-handedly is wrong. That's not what we're purporting. Yeah, there's no dis- there's no dissolution of the union if a state leaves. The union uh, changes maybe, but it doesn't it doesn't disappear. We don't want to end the club. We just want to nope. leave. The, it. New Hampshire is not declaring war on the United States. It's New Hampshire's not trying to take nope. over the United States. Y'all can have the union, right? <laughs> Please. You can have all the union you want. If you love the United States, stick with it. They're going to tax you all the way till you die. And you can have this guy, too. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll oh. have to deport him if we do. Uh... I thought you were talking about Ian for a second. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. Chase. They can't have Ian. <laughs> no, no, Ian, Ian doesn't get to. No, they don't get to kidnap Ian. Right. Let's also discuss the idea that this is a referendum. This is no mere referendum. New Hampshire has no referendum. We have no state statute, nothing in our state constitution that suggests that we have a referendum, right? We have a constitutional process for amending the constitution. I look at it this way. This is a race, right? If you run a 5K, you go each kilometer, right? Kilometer one was a committee, which, by the way, rejected this 21 to nothing, recognizing it was unconstitutional and un-American, right? Step two is we go to the House floor. What could be more American than independence? Yeah, that's what could be more un-American than the un- than the American government. And, and you know, mm. it's interesting thing about the committee because some of the reps on the committee who were speaking on it didn't actually say that. They actually, some of them actually said that were voted against it. They agreed 
they agreed with it. It's just that they weren't ready for it or something to that effect. So, well, there's a bunch of political cowards. In I mean, the yeah. state legislature. So. Uh, the number here, if you want to join the show, 603-283-6160. We'll continue with more of this statist, unionist, pro-government, pro-federal tool. Pro-slavery. Pro, yeah, pro-slavery. Brody Deshays here from the uh, floor of the uh, New Hampshire State House. And your calls and thoughts are also welcome here on Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join in here. The number for you is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian, nobody, and Chris in the studio here tonight. You can join us online over at freetalklive.com. We've got... RSS feeds that you can copy and put into your favorite podcast client. And then you will be subscribed to receive every episode of Free Talk Live that comes out as they are released. All you have to do to get those uh, those URLs is go to our feeds page at feeds.freetalklive.com. That's feeds.freetalklive.com. And there are different choices there. There's the full uh, subscription, which has our full shows and the digest. There's digests only and full shows only. Head over to feeds.freetalklive.com. As we go back to the floor of the New Hampshire State House yesterday morning, uh, I guess it was actually yesterday afternoon, but it didn't take as long to get to it as I thought it would. They had like two dozen bills to go through prior to getting to CACR 32, the New Hampshire Independence Constitutional Amendment. And they moved through them actually relatively quickly. I was kind of surprised, but they did break for lunch before they finally had the hearing on the floor of the State House. this historic hearing where the advocates for the centralized federal government gang got out and pulled out all their nationalism and all the all the threats of what could happen if New Hampshire were to de- declare its independence. They want to make sure that we get our fair share of the $29 trillion federal debt. Yes, and <laughs> growing. I think it didn't it cross 30 recently. I feel like it did. Anyway, we're going to go back to uh, Brody Deshays. This is the guy who is defending the United States nation state. Here we and go. And we vote on it, right? Every step along the way that you continue to complete this 5K is aiding and abetting and making this policy come to fruition, right? By bringing this to the people, we are aiding and abetting in the process of undermining the U.S. Constitution and violating our oaths of office. Okay, okay, that's an interesting Um, argument I had not yet heard from this side of things. I I wonder if he's saying that that it's uh, treason, because it is treason to to aid and abet the enemies of the uh of of the of the united states to does the united states regard the people of the united states as, the as enemy? its enemy i mean what how does it undermine the constitution I was, i'm trying to understand this because the constitution doesn't it, it makes doesn't the constitution stronger leave. because then you don't have to uh you don't have to get rid of the federal government yeah, I don't know. It, 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 the Constitution doesn't say the U.S. Constitution doesn't say you can't leave, as we nope. were pointing out. Doesn't so I'm not really sure how this undermines the U.S. Constitution. It's pure fear mongering. Um, He's just pandering to the yeah. love of the Constitution. Oh, you wouldn't want to break that down, now, would you? But yeah, it's the, <laughs> what he forgets is that that love of the Constitution is based on its promise to protect us from all of the things that the federal government is already doing now. <laughs> yeah. Right, and I could go on regarding the 14th Amendment and a myriad of 
you know, this open question of what is rebellion, which is not defined in the U.S. Constitution, which quite frankly... But it's defined in plenty of places. I mean, you can easily look up rebellion, and it always has to do with arming yourself and I mean, using violence yeah, against it's, the state. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because in 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 legal land, right, It's you're supposed to use the plain language of the... Uh, Plain, what they—it's plain language is you're, what you're supposed to do. And basically, what that just means is it's the common understanding of it, right? It's unless it's, a dictionary it's defined. Definition. Yeah, right. Well, then it's, it's, and, and that's defined in the law. Then right. they use the and, dictionary definition. Right, and that's just what that was exactly what I was about to say. Is yeah. if it's not defined in the law itself, and because it's not defined, rebellion is effectively what is in the dictionary, and that is armed violence. Exactly. The state. Can we look up what the word rebellion is in sure. the dictionary? Yeah, I've looked it up before. I've actually looked it up in a law dictionary as well as just the regular dictionary. And basically, the, the definitions are the same. Yeah, it, it wouldn't matter anyway. But yeah, I'll pull it up for you here. Rebellion is the act of armed resistance to established government or leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has to be armed. Has to be violent. Yep. Uh, we go on. After this vote, and now that it's roll called, there is a question of... What do we do and how do we enforce the 14th Amendment, which we took an oath to the Constitution of? And I hope... Federal government's job, not yours. (laughs) I hope that we don't have to be answering that question on the House floor in the future. I hope that everyone says no to this constitutional amendment because I would prefer not to see the partisan politics of trying to remove members of this House for arguably maybe violating their constitutional oath. This guy doesn't even understand how the system works in the first place. I mean, just the fact that, you know, he, he thinks that it's going to come before the, you know, House, you know, the, the New Hampshire, presumably talking about the New Hampshire House. Um, and that's not how that works. I would love to see them try to remove any of the 13 people who voted in favor of uh, this amendment. Yeah, if voting for something unconstitutional was enough to get you removed from office, we wouldn't have a Congress, a Senate, <laughs> or a president. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's. Or there, most of the state reps, for that matter. There Ooh. is, I mean, I guess there is in some respects, like, you know, cops can enforce federal law, uh, you know, but it's... Not the local boys. It, it, it depends. Well, well, and this is the point that I'm trying to make, right? It depends, right? If the state allows it, right, uh, local or state cops can enforce federal law, but that's not necessarily um, that's not necessarily the case, as in the case with weed and marijuana laws. Those are not often in states that have legalized it. Their local police and state police are not allowed to enforce federal marijuana law. In most cases, they're not allowed to enforce federal law. They could turn over a case to the feds. They could turn over some evidence, mm-hmm. as I understand it. But unless they're like, unless they've been sworn in or something by the federal government and, and they hold two cards, I don't, I don't think you yeah. you see that happening. I've and, never heard of somebody being elected by the lo- or being arrested by the local yokels purely for uh, generating or violating a federal law. It's- I mean, in your case, you were arrested by local cops back in 2012 or 2011 for selling cannabis, and the feds were directly involved in that mm-hmm. investigation, mm. but you still weren't charged federally with No, with I was charged under the case. state law. So I, I don't know if that's the, that's the case at all. That, there, that's there my understanding, and maybe I am just I, maybe I am actually misunderstanding yeah. something. But there I was are under- some officers who work with the feds. So like in the Chris Cantwell case, right? Uh, there was a Manchester PD officer who was sort of like the federal yeah. FBI I mean, liaison. My like I said, my understanding is it, you can be arrested by like a state officer for breaking federal law, but usually that's not what happens. You usually get charged with some sort of state yeah. equivalent. I mean, um, technically but, you can make a citizen's arrest, so I guess they could. But. I'd be interested in seeing an example of it because I've never I've Yeah, never I'm not a lawyer it. obviously here, so <laughs> I, I don't know with certainty, uh, but with Brody. Right? 
It's deeply concerning to me. And so I hope that we can reject this. I hope we can stick with constitutional government. I hope that we can uphold the U.S. Constitution. I hope we can continue to uphold the Doesn't New Hampshire. Doesn't mean stick with unconstitutional government because, because that's what we nothing have. the feds are doing is constitutional. State constitution. We should support the union today, the union tomorrow, in the union forever. Because he wants to be in the union. He wants to be president, right? This guy <laughs> definitely has his designs, his eyes on higher office. Oh, yeah. There's 49 states he could move to if we yeah. seceded. Thank you. All right. Well. Remember, yield the questions? Yes. Member yields. I don't know if he got any questions. Senator Klein Knight, you may inquire. Okay, I guess he did get one question here from a Democrat. Um, thank you so much, Representative, for taking my question. Um, has Have any of your colleagues decided on who's going to run for president of New Hampshire? Is that supposed to be funny? Nobody will. <laughs> that, that, because it, nobody should be the president uh, of New Hampshire. That's a weird question does for she, somebody who's ta- speaking against it. Does she even know that New Hampshire had a president? Prior to joining the union, New Hampshire had a president. They changed the constitution to change the word from president to governor after New Hampshire joined the union. So we'll just be going back to that. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live and the number, if you want to join the show, it's 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio here tonight, you've got Ian, nobody, and Chris. And again, uh, you can bring up anything that's on your mind. We've been talking about New Hampshire independence here as the uh, yesterday this full state house finally heard CACR 32, the bill that would, had it been passed by the House and the Senate with over 60% voting for it, uh, would have been put on the ballot and would have allowed the people of New Hampshire to vote on the question of declaring peaceable independence from the United States. Sadly, 323 of the 336 people that were in attendance out of the 400 possible said, nope, we're not going to let the people vote on that. Mm-hmm. No, we're the gatekeepers. We get to decide these things, and we don't, we don't trust the people to make decisions about their own political futures. I mean, they themselves. stood up against democracy. They did? <laughs> Under the, uh, uh, they stood up against the idea of democracy. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't think the people are wise enough to vote whether or not they want to be part of you know, the United States or not, what makes them you know, intelligent enough to vote for you in the first place? Great question. Well, uh, apparently they were stupid enough to vote for them. Or may- so. maybe that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe what they were right. saying is these people are stupid enough to vote for me. Uh, yeah. I-, I can't trust, <laughs> trust that they will. Uh, yeah. So uh, after a, I don't know how long his speech was, more than five minutes speech of why people should be so afraid and continue to support the federal government gang and keep the union together, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, with uh, Brody Deshays, the the tool of the state, he's finally sat down. And Mike Sylvia, the hero, the the sponsor of the legislation, longtime supporter of Free Talk Live, by the way, longtime uh, listener and supporter here. Love Mike Sylvia. He's a really great guy. He rocks. He's also, by the way, A-plus rated uh, Liberty rep in the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. He is such a principled state representative he gets A pluses, I believe, every time I've ever looked at the ratings. He's a multi-term rep. I think he's on his fifth term right now. So he spent most of the last decade uh, in the state house, very experienced. And he won, actually, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance Liberty Legislator of the Year Award at least one time, uh, as well as Mark Warden, who's another great Liberty rep, who, by the way, Mark Warden was one of the 13 who voted hey. for, uh, for this. 
gotta like yeah. it. I gotta, I gotta give him a thank you for your service next time. I, I I'm see so him. glad I used to, when I when I moved to New Hampshire. I used him as my realtor. I'm so glad I did. Yeah, the guy is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Mark Warden, I believe, is a two-time winner of the Liberty Rep of the Year award, and Mike Sylvia, at least a one-time winner. So, in the 13 people that voted for this, there's two of the top, top best. Uh, most principled liberty reps that should tell you something this is good pro-liberty legislation and shame on those uh so-called liberty reps uh liberty reps who did not support their their fellow reps in this particular vote they were too afraid of what the voters would think although to be honest i'm more interested in targeting the worst representatives in the house than the worst of the best so i you know you know there's a lot of F-rated yeah. um, reps yeah. in the house. Yeah, but you only get to, to target where you live. Guys go. You, you only get to target where you live. If we've got somebody who supports independence and supports liberty, and they're willing to primary one of these uh, not-so-liberty reps, I say they should go for it. Oh, Why shouldn't they have to fight a primary you're, battle? You're absolutely right about that, Ian. I just don't know. I, I think what I think what I think what you're saying uh, is nobody is that if if we're going to be focusing like actual resources on it like if we're going to yeah. go out and uh oh, spend I don't time spending resources on politics what a waste of oh money. i know you don't yeah. i know you don't but if if we were then uh it would probably be better off you know attacking other people or, or going after and putting up other people sure. to run against the but people if who you are live in the if you I live do in recommend the- devoting uh resources to running and i have devoted resources to running in my time my energy i didn't sure. have yeah, any I, money i, I think i think but, you're uh, i think you're i think i think ian's more talking about money because even he has devoted some amount of effort yeah, to, no, to running for i've gone to office debates and things, and things like yeah. that 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 makes sense where you can make a personal appearance and it costs you you know less than a tank right. of gas now, you're you're you do it for different reasons it's to get the message out there about well, that's because we live in Keene. Yeah. you can't do you can't win an election as a republican in Keene. you have to be right. a democrat and we can't sneak into the democrats because they know who well, we not, all are not us <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, definitely not uh, us you know we're in the least politically feasible area of new hampshire actually if i run for governor this year i I will probably run as a Democrat. That's what I'd recommend. Um, because you you have no chance of getting any attention, as we learned last time, against Sununu, and he's running again. Oh, uh, he is running again? Yeah, he was going to go for U.S. Senate, but then he changed his mind because the polls weren't looking so good during COVID uh, mm. for him. And now he's decided he just wants to run again for governor, unless he changes his mind at the last minute again, which certainly is possible. Well, if the polls weren't looking good, maybe he'll like the Ukrainians better. But the uh, the other thing about the Democrats is the guy who ran against Sununu last time has left the state. He's really? gone. Interesting. Yeah, he he got moved beaten to, that badly. He moved to Idaho uh, or something like that. So why, he's gone. Why would a Democrat move to Idaho? I don't know. Good God. But he's not here anymore. So it's hmm. a wide open field. It's like field. a libertarian moving to New York or California. So I agree with you, nobody. I think that would be the best bet because it's a wide open field on the Democrat side. So you actually might get some attention from the the media. All right. So Mike Sylvia takes the floor, takes the mic for what's called a parliamentary inquiry, which is this bizarre thing where you have to ask a question. So they have these little things they say to make it sound like a question, but it's really just statements. So he has to say (laughs) things in a very certain way. It's a very strange religion, the state going on here. Here's what he said. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, if I know that New Hampshire did not delegate to the United States a power to prevent peaceful separation, 
and that the Tenth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution recognizes the powers not de delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. Mr. Speaker, if I know that rebellion and insurrection are violent actions that stand in sharp contrast to the deliberative, thoughtful, and cordial process brought by sponsors and supporters of this amendment. And Mr. Speaker, if I know no member of this body should be threatened with retribution for their vote here today, and we should all take to heart the words of Article 30 of our Constitution, the freedom of deliberation, speech, and debate in either house of this legislature is so essential to the rights of the people that it cannot be the foundation of any action, complaint, prosecution, in any other court or place whatsoever. Translation, they should be free to say anything they want to while they're in that <clears throat> chamber and they cannot be prosecuted yeah, for it. it it's is not in the like they're on Twitter. It's in the Constitution of New Hampshire. Yeah, Deshay was, uh, you know, effectively um, suggesting, you know, violence against those who would vote Treason. for. Yes, vote for uh, this, this constitutional amendment. And Mr. Speaker, finally, if I know that this amendment reinforces Article 7 of our Constitution, which declared New Hampshire to be forever a free, sovereign, and independent state. Then, Mr. Speaker, would I press the red button to stop the abuse of distant, illegitimate powers? Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Bravo. Mm -hmm. uh, an amazing speech in the last minutes prior to the actual vote taking place uh he was so well so well spoken uh kudos to mike sylvia for yeah this. I, you know it's it's interesting there was i think these speeches were great i think they 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 turned out uh you know better you know better i didn't even know there was there were going to be speeches to be honest. i mean i know i guess i i kind of figured there would be i guess but like there wouldn't have been if the motion to table had succeeded. Right, that right, went exactly, through, exactly. There would have been no I, discussion. Exactly. I, it's, but um, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's things that can be done a little bit better next time around. I think maybe focusing more on uh, you know what it's going to mean for the people if we become independent, um, and less on defending, uh, you know, the legist or the um, constitutional amendment next time around. But other than that, I think this was amazing. These speeches. 603-283-6160. You can go to nhexit.us. You can find the video there. I think it'll be up a little bit later, but right now it's on the Free Keen Odyssey. Yeah! It's Free Talk Live. Join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can go on to our website and enjoy various different features, including archives that go back for years over at freetalklive.com. We've got our Odyssey channel where we're streaming live every night over at video.freetalklive.com. Please give us a follow on Odyssey, which uh, Odyssey just keeps getting better and better. Apparently now RT has been banned from YouTube maybe entirely. I don't yes, know if you guys has. heard about that. And I can't get through to the uh, Russia Today website either. Oh, really? 
Yeah, I tried hitting that, and I hit a Cloudflare uh, uh, DDoS wall. So I don't know if Russia engaged uh, They've engaged Cloudflare, a DDoS checker. Yeah. Um, yeah. In which case, it's not working right, because I it was just got through right out. now. Okay. Yeah, it's I mean... I mean, the thing I is, got through to the front page from a search engine uh, when I tried that, but every time I clicked on uh, on an article to read it, I got thrown out. Were you on a VPN? I was not. Hmm. I mean, Russia Russia today is being DDoS. It's an, it's For an sure. attack, so they they put themselves behind uh, Cloudflare and Cloudflare. Sometimes cl- things with Cloudflare don't work perfectly. Um, but they prevent uh, the idea is that it's going to prevent the site from becoming unaccessible um, when such attacks are being performed. So, well, and apparently, not only according to RT.com, not only is YouTube uh, going to or it has banned RT, it's also going to demonetize Russian users. So, once again, punishing not just the government, but the people, the innocent people of Russia who do not necessarily support what their government's actions are, continues from these various different U.S. corporations. Some, you know, some of the interesting parts about that are: I wonder how much of that is YouTube and how much of that is the banks, because the banks, if you can't do a payment to a Russian bank, how does YouTube actually like uh, actually pay those people? Well, in Russia, what right? I would do crypto. if I was doing business in in Russia and crypto was not available for some reason is I would keep that whatever their balance was. I would keep a record of it, and if and when. I was able to get the transfer to them. I would make that transfer. Let's talk more about these centralized banking, quote-unquote, solutions that are terrible. You've got news about one of them. Yeah, so this is uh, from the New York Times, and the title of the story is Fraud is Flourishing on Zelle. The banks say it's not their problem. Oh, that's their system. Which, yeah, which is really interesting given, uh, you know, they are attacking crypto users Right. <laughs> the government is attacking crypto users and saying, oh, you sold some crypto to somebody else and they were defrauded. Therefore, it's your problem. Well, hold on. The licensed banks. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not their problem. They're saying, well, surely they're going to be arrested in moments with the FBI busting in their, <laughs> uh, their front door with a bear cat. Their license are going to be revoked. No, no, that's not going to happen. Well, in theory. Right. I mean, I think you've forgotten who works for who. It's the government I, I working right. for the bankers, <laughs> I, not the other I, way around. You, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and this is the double standard that I, I'm trying to point out for you guys yep. here. Uh, Zelle, you've done it well. The payments platform used by millions of customers is a popular target for scammers. But banks have been reluctant to make fraud victims whole despite <laughs> owning the system. Justin Franz lost $500 to a scammer impersonating a Wells Fargo official in January <laughs> and hoped that the bank would reimburse him. Mr. Franz was a long time doesn't know much about banks. No, right. Was a longtime Wells Fargo customer and had immediately reported the scam involving Zelle, the popular money transfer app. So the problem here is that, you know, <laughs> it's it, it's up to you. If you hand a scammer money dollars, right? Who's who's responsible for that? You are, you are. right? But if you use a technology, all of a sudden somebody else becomes responsible for that? Well, okay. I mean, it, on one is- hand, uh, look, on one hand I agree with the fact that these people 
you know, they made a mistake and usually you got to pay a, a price when you make a mistake. I, I get that. But not knowing anything about the details of this circumstance, I know one thing's for sure about the system that's behind Zelle. It's the ACH transfer system. And you can reverse an ACH payment. The banks can reverse those payments usually easily within 60 days. So if this guy did report the fraud right. immediately, as he said that he did, that account or that money should have still been in the, you know, the fraudster's account. Yep. And the bank should have been able to lock that account up and pull that money back in. Unless- Which just goes to show, unlike somebody who sells crypto who doesn't have control once it leaves their wallet, the banks actually do. And the banks are not, yeah. and they're not protecting people. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting double standard here. I mean, it is possible that the transfer went through before the banks you know started the gears turning to do anything about it and then the fraudster withdrew the cash from the account and then there was nothing there to to grab a hold of that's a possibility and, i suppose and, and this is and this is the thing this is one of the problems with protecting you know giving uh, or mandating in law that people need to be protected by like the financial institutions it actually those costs that, that has a huge cost associated with it and those costs get passed on to consumers so and i I know about this from uh, you know a business perspective. I have, a, I have a company, Think Penguin Incorporated, mm-hmm. and we sell computers. Um, but I know about it from that perspective. But I also understand it from a, a banking perspective. Of if, it, as you point out, Ian, if a uh, bank, um, for example, has money wired in and from from wherever, and that person whose account it's wired into is being uh, defrauded, and then that same person wires money out of that account to some overseas account Mm -hmm. well who pays for that the bank pays for that and that means they have to cover those costs which means they have to get that money from somewhere and where does where do they get that money from it comes from all the other customers now on the other hand if people were responsible for um you know the fraud that they're i don't want to say they're allowing but they're they're not maybe being naive if they if they had Mm -hmm. to cover some of that cost People would be a lot more hesitant to send money to people they don't know. Well, people so, have to call, cover all of that cost now, and they're not more hesitant they, than they are now. Well, it, it's everybody everybody who uses a financial institution is covering that cost, as opposed to the people who are. No, no most of the time they're the covering banks are, the costs themselves. Most of the time, the banks are not it's, just paying you for the mistakes that you make. No, no, no. What I'm saying is they're passing it on through fees, right? To their, their but they're not. No, they're, they're not. not. They don't refund fraud. The only time that they do is oh, I, Visa I what you're and Mastercard. Um, you can so reverse right. a payment through Visa and Mastercard. It, well, that and actually they gets eat that cost. No, 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 that's not that's not true. It's the, it's the businesses that eat that cost, not the banks. Well, if in they, that case, if, but, the business, if they can't recover it from the business, though, then then Visa eats that cost. Uh, yeah, it, it never that it never works that way. It's always the business that that ends up eating that cost. So they pass it on in terms of uh, higher prices on goods. So. Anyway, but yeah, anyway, the whole point that I'm trying to make here is regardless of if I, I've actually said that correctly, but you're right. Uh, these banks definitely generally will not uh, be held to account. The only so. way the bank will hold themselves to account for fraud that has happened under their uh, purv- purview is if the bank was somehow negligent and the bank, their agents were like involved or something like that. There's yeah, there, there are rare right. occasions where the bank will it's, take responsibility for something. Even but, then, there was a case where somebody made a cash deposit in somebody else's account and then went back and withdrew that money, 
and the the bank was definitely negligent in yep. allowing that to happen. And they did nothing, but they did not refund that money. Yep, sure. Um, the, the banks do potentially have sometimes situations where they can end up with uh, bearing those costs, whether or not they accept those costs or not. Like for example, if somebody just you know, there's a negative balance as a result of fraud, and the person who was defrauded effectively walks away from that account, never refund or never reimbursing the bank. That person might end up on a list, uh, which makes it difficult for them to, yep. you know, get another bank account somewhere else. But nonetheless, that bank still ends up uh, right. bearing those costs. Now, the problem with the government mandating that the bank or a financial institution bear those costs is that it will end up ultimately coming to the uh, customer, the rest of the customer, and it doesn't. It doesn't discourage people from making unwise decisions nope. when it comes to paying somebody they don't know or putting themselves at effectively really the rest of the customer base of the bank at risk for uh, for that fraud that they sort of allowed to occur because they didn't they were not careful. And the only person who can be careful is you, the consumer. Um, the, bank, the bank is not going to be able to stop a fraud in most instances from occurring. No, they'll um, ask you one question. No, you're not being scammed, are you? You know this person, right? If somebody's going in to send a payment to somebody they don't know, and, right. and if they are sending a payment to their African lover, who they've never met, but yet they believe they're going to be married to or something like that, then they're going to lie to the banker. They'll they'll straight up lie to their, to their face and say, yep. oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. So uh, Wells Fargo said the transaction wasn't fraudulent because Mr. Franz had authorized it. <laughs> so... It's, and this is interesting. Um, it's that's what the, and they're, what they're saying is it, it was Mr. So and So who did it. It wasn't someone else right. who did it. So therefore, it wasn't fraud from the bank's perspective. Yeah. It's an interesting story. Uh, out of time for tonight. And the, and I guess the, the most important point is those bankers are not going to be criminally charged in any way, shape, or form for the millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars in fraud. Nope. But if are, you sell crypto, you very well might be. <laughs> right. Check out thecrypto6.com for more about that. Uh, more tomorrow night. In the meantime, freetalklive.com. Join us there. All right, it's another edition of the Edgington Post Show. I am Mark Edge here for you for Free Talk Live. And one of the ongoing topics on Free Talk Live is the notion of moving to a place for more freedom. Today I have with me Mason Lashina. Mason, did I get that right? You did, yes. Okay, well, let's hope I get it right again in the future. Um, You are with Atlas island.org and this is the the only the only thing i know about it is atlas sounds like atlas shrugs so this is probably an objectivist move here project does that sound right uh it sounds about right i don't know that we'd call ourselves strictly objectivist i think we'd probably more so identify with hardcore libertarian or anarcho-capitalist but yes a lot of us were inspired by ayn rand's uh, novel of the same name Excellent. So where is the island uh, that you want to move? So it's actually not a physical island as of yet. Uh, It's based on the concept called seasteading, which I'm sure some of you are familiar with and some of you are not. The concept of seasteading is essentially that instead of trying to fight for areas on land like the Free State Project or other libertarian movements, we are going to build a new civilization, a new city, so to speak, floating in international waters, where governments currently do not reach, do not extend their taxes, and do not extend their jurisdiction. So essentially, the plan is to create a new free civilization on the oceans out of the reach of governments. Uh, Speaking of governments not extending their land beyond uh, 12 miles, did not the king of Thailand uh, send his navy out to blow up a seastead three years ago or so? About 13 miles outside uh, outside of the international border? 
He did, absolutely. And that was uh, Chad and Nadia, and they were kind of very inspirational within the sea study movement. And, you know, we looked at what they did, and we saw what, what were they successful at, and, and what did they fail at. And, you know, what they definitely succeeded at was being able to demonstrate that you can physically live on the water. It's a doable thing. Yep. Very basic technology allows it to happen. And what they failed at was the political question. As you mentioned, you know, you know the Thai government decided that they were pirates and wanted to commandeer the vessel. And the way we plan, plan to address that is instead of declaring sovereignty like they did and flying no flag, we plan to essentially use the same technique as the cruise ship industry or other major boating industries and fly a flag of convenience. So while technically we would be under the jurisdiction of that country, it would prevent us from being viewed as pirates, prevent us from being boarded by other navies, but it would allow us to functionally be essentially independent on the high seas and at the same time, because there's so many flagging registries that are eager to make the money off of the flagging fees, you can shop jurisdictions against each other and allow uh, yourself to compete these different uh, countries like Bahamas or Liberia against each other to find which one provides the best services at the lowest cost and provides you the most possible freedom. I think that's a good idea. Um, you know, I mean, no one wants to use the governmental systems that exist, but the fact is that these people, um, you know, they have guns and they'll use them. Uh, I, I believe they blew up Chad and Nadia's seastead, not with them in it. That's an important distinction. Um, <laughs> if, am I correct on that? Uh, I'm not familiar if they got blown up or not. I know they definitely uh, had to flee and they, they, they were running um, from the government and at risk of being in prison for life and potentially a death penalty. So there definitely were some severe consequences. I don't know what happened to the actual physical structure, but I know that they're both safe in Panama now building more of those same types of structures. Yeah, I think that mostly it was a show of force by a rogue captain um, that it was less the king of Thailand and more um, you know, somebody trying to make a name for themselves. Not a lot exciting goes on for the uh, Thai Navy, and so they got themselves some international news and um, that sort of thing. I I mean, I don't think that it's a uh, the death knell for seasteading or anything like that, but I think it's also it's worth uh, pointing out that Sometimes you got to work within the system to get to where you want to go. Um, there are systems for being on something that floats on the water um, and not being disturbed and disrupted. If you have, if you fly one of these flags, and it's not that much. I mean, you know, uh, places like Liberia um, and several other African nations basically find that, huh? Somebody will send us a check if we let them fly our flag. All right, and it's that simple. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, and uh, that's where Atlas Island differs from a lot of other seasteading projects. As much as we are um, strong in our philosophical stance that freedom is paramount and individuals are sovereign, we're not so um, bullheaded that we're willing to risk everything for you know that, that title or that um, egotistical stance to be able to declare independence. We are happy if we can get 95 or 98% freedom um, while still flying the flag of another country and at the same time avoiding all of those risks that other seasteading projects are encountering. And that's really how I guess I would uh, I would sum up our project. We're looking for a practical, stepwise approach to achieve freedom within our lifetime and ideally within the next decade. And we think that a stepwise approach to seasteading, starting by living on a vessel in a near shore area, building up a community there, and then eventually transitioning out into inter international waters and flying a flag of convenience, that's the best way for us to achieve the maximum po possible freedom in our lifetime. So um, I, I like what I hear. Uh, one thing disturbs me, and this is something that's disturbed me about uh, seasteading all along. So seasteading is the notion that we, um, that, you know, that, hey, look, 
we know that jurisdictions matter. We know that Hong Kong got a heck of a lot uh, richer than the rest of China because of rules inside of its jurisdiction. This is simple. No one disagrees with it. Special economic zones at this point aren't terribly special when there are uh, nearly 10,000 of them um, across the globe. So the the difficulty is, um, that I, as I see it, is that the most of the people in seasteading don't live on the water. In fact, they've never lived on the water. Many of them don't know how to sail a boat. Um, they like the idea, and I like the idea too. There's certainly a place on the globe that has shallow water where you can sort of get together and, uh, you know, perhaps you get enough people and enough of these boats or floating uh, houses or whatever we want to call them, and everything works good. But, and you know, maybe there aren't enough, there aren't many storms in this place and there aren't problems, but I have had a uh, catamaran. I have sold it. And <laughs> and I'm telling you, everything is three times as hard. Um, living on the water, the salt water is highly corrosive. There's a lot of maintenance that goes in it. There are very few people listening to me right now that are outside, uh, you know, painting their house every year, that are uh, washing their windows every day, that are doing these kind of things. But on a boat, you're living in much more confined areas and you're doing a heck of a lot more maintenance. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's definitely um, something that does have to be considered and overcome, and uh, I, I think it is something that needs to be addressed by the individual. So in our plan, uh, we like I said, it's a stepwise approach. So instead of just claiming that you know we're going to move from the middle of Idaho or wherever you are in the middle of the country, never seen a boat, the first step in everyone involved in our plan would be to buy a boat for themselves and start living on it in a marina in a sheltered harbor, a place where you have easy access to land and you start becoming accustomed to that lifestyle. We plan for, you know, three to five years to allow people to get adjusted to the lifestyle of living on a boat before you even contemplate moving out into the ocean. And not only does it give you the opportunity to get used to living on a boat, but it also gives you the opportunity to develop a community because it becomes essentially a chicken and an egg scenario. If you and you know, decide to buy your catamaran again and you go sail into the middle of the ocean where it's uh, calm and convenient, it's not going to be much of a life if you're out there by yourself. You right. need a community, as much as we're libertarians, you need a community of people who can actually support an economic system and provide all the needs. So the idea being that we'd find a sheltered harbor, likely somewhere in Florida, and we'd start having libertarians move there on their boats. It provides the comfort of land, it provides the safety of that while you adjust, it provides all the services of a major city nearby, and in that same time, over that three-year period, you start developing community of like-minded individuals who are all focused on freedom, and once you get to that critical mass, say 500 or 1,000 people in this community that you now are essentially self-sufficient for most of your day-to-day activities, that's when you can contemplate moving out into the ocean, onto the open water, and actually uh, getting that independence. Now, there would be other steps involved. You'd be building a platform so that the boats have somewhere to dock in that uh, in that uh, area on the ocean. You're not just going to be kind of mooring all the boats together, you'd have a, a platform that would essentially serve as a floating marina and a little bit of a shelter from the waves. Um, that's one thing. And at the same time, you can also look at how the technology develops. I mean, Chad and Nadia, they're developing the C-Pod technology, which is supposed to be a longer-term solution for living on water with lower maintenance. And there's also other developments happening. I mean, there's a couple of companies around the world now that are building solar catamarans. Um, they have the ability, with solar power alone, to essentially have a limited range, no need to refuel, and can supply all your electricity for desalination 
desalination, cooking, everything else that you need. And some of these boats are made of aluminum, so there still will be maintenance issues. But as technology advances, I think you're going to see in the next 10 to 20 years that there are going to be much more sustainable ways of living on the ocean which, with much less maintenance and much less uh, work than is required when you're talking about you know, a sailing catamaran that you have to constantly adjust the sails and fix all of those things, or a diesel one that you need all the, all the fuel resupplies and, and all of those concerns. Those uh, solar catamarans are glorious. Um, now, the ones, the one that I'm thinking of is a uh, very, very expensive thing. You can do this significantly less costly. I mean, basically, there's boats out there, hulls of boats that you can get for free, outfit it with uh, solar um, settings, put in uh, electric motors. Not cheap, but certainly less expensive than buying a, a new boat. And go from there. This is, uh, you know, this is absolutely something that can be done. All right, we're back with Mason Lashenka from AtlasIsland.org. Ah, I should have mentioned AtlasIsland.org when uh, and the extra. I can throw it in at the end, uh, Mason. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to get back. There's more things I want to talk to you and 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 your your little plan um, here <laughs> with uh, with what you're going to do. Um, so. I love the idea of people gathering together to live uh, better lives. And I understand the seasteading thing. It's like all the lands occupied by a bunch of crazy people. They all want to rule us. Why don't they, um, you know, why, why don't they just find something else? And, you know, I'm, I'm watching seasteading with as, as hopeful as I can be. I hope that I don't sound like a um, negative Nancy here. But what I'm going to say is, is that, Mason, we are land-based apes. And <laughs> I don't know whether I think that this is truly going to work. I like the idea. I think we should be looking in this direction. I want people to be successful. I don't want to say anything that tells people not to, to pursue their dreams. And I want you to realize we've just lost uh, 90% of our audience. Um, <laughs> once you go to the podcast, now we're just uh, talking to the hardline libertarians here as opposed to the uh, mom and pop uh, America out there. So, um, by the way, atlasisland.org. Uh, first things I would say is, why Florida? What in the world? I mean, you know, the, you know that the United States uh, employs a group of people they call the FBI that kick people's doors in over nothing. And there's another organization called the IRS who will uh, tax uh, everything you do no matter where you are on the globe. Yeah, Mark, so I definitely understand those concerns. Um, so I can, I guess, address them one by one. First of all, living on the water. I, you know, I see your concern. Um, I do think that it can be overcome technologically speaking. I mean, most of the world's population already lives on the water, a lot on reclaimed land or on land that is very close to the water. Um, if you actually don't want to go out and live in the middle of the ocean, that's not necessary. At the very least, if you buy a boat and you're living on a, like, a boat, you can park in a marina as a community and say, let's say that Florida for now is being friendly to libertarians. You know, they've got lower taxes in other places in the country, and people think this is the best place to live. One of the Great. freest states in the United States. That's one a of the highly qualified in... statement, but is yes. that is a true statement. <laughs> so one of the freest states in the United States. For now, you live there. You know, let's say in 10 years. I am, um, I'm right here right now. I can tell you right. that uh, I feel relatively free in Florida. Right. So let's say in 5 or 10 years that changes. If you live in a house... The hassle of selling that house, of moving all of your belongings, is quite large. It's a large barrier to exit. If you are already living on a catamaran in a marina, the hassle of you taking that catamaran and sailing it to the Bahamas 
or to Prospera, a free private city going up in Honduras, or to any other you know special economic zone around the world that may that may be trying to attract entrepreneurs, uh, free thinking individuals. There's a much lower barrier to exit, and not only does that provide you the opportunity to leave either to a seastead or to a million elsewhere in the world or to a free private city, it also then if enough people are doing that, it provides the incentive to the governments not to hassle you because they don't want so many of their successful citizens to leave because they want you to be paying the taxes. So at the very least, living on a boat, even if you don't go the full the full, um, the full thing of going full seastead, at least it gives you some options, it gives you some more flexibility, and it makes it more possible for you to do seasteading in the near future. So I would say that you know the ability to live on a, a boat, and it provides you the ability to vote with your feet with your entire house without the hassle of trying to sell, without the hassle of moving. So I think that's a good first step to take. Now, um, when it comes to why Florida, uh, you know, as you said, it's one of the freest states in the United States. Also, a lot of our market, uh, there's no doubt they will be American. And a lot of Americans are much more comfortable moving to somewhere like Florida than they are to moving to the Bahamas or to, you know, Honduras or um, any of these other places which may technically be slightly more free, have lower income taxes. But for us, Florida is a first stepping stone. It's a place where Americans would feel comfortable moving if they are members of the, uh, the libertarian organization, the libertarian movement, and they would think of moving somewhere like New Hampshire, why not Florida? Why can't they move there and live on a boat instead of buying a plot of land in New Hampshire? So it's a low barrier to entry for Americans. Do you want to, provides- do you want to answer that as a New Hampshire, as a granted stater? I can be happy to. Because the Free State Project is the only free thing in the world. If you don't move for the Free State Project, you don't love freedom. Why do you hate freedom, Mason? Um, in reality... Uh, New Hampshire has scored slightly higher than Florida and a few other states on the freedom in the 50 states. I find that the freedom in the 50 states is somewhat misleading. First off, nobody's read the damn thing. I mean, the, the percentage of people who quote it versus the percentage of people who have read it are is, uh, is a frightening ratio. Secondly, um, you know, like the freedom to smoke pot while riding a motorcycle helmetless with my gay lover is of completely no use to me. I don't do any of those things. And, um, you know, so I, I just don't care. And uh, I like aggregate freedom is a good thing, but when it is only marginally more aggregate freedom, then, um, well, it's not, it doesn't mean anything. I'd rather have the freedoms of property ownership that Florida comes with. And by the way, uh, Florida maritime laws far better fleshed out you have uh, rules on where you can anchor and things like that which would be useful for um, this project so i think florida has some value you could drive here you can um, leave your car you could sell your car you can do all kinds of things while you live on a boat one thing i think is interesting about the boat idea and i want to move that direction because seasteading has often focused on things that aren't boats um they are floating living platforms or something like that. We don't have a good name for them yet. But a boat means that you can pick up and move. Now, maybe in a catamaran, you can only move at six knots, and maybe it'll take you (laughs) two weeks to get to uh, Prospera or wherever it is that you're going. Um, But you can go, and you can travel. The difficulty is is that a boat is made for moving, and um, that means that it is not as stable on the water as, say, a living platform might be. Chad, Chad and Nadia's uh, living platform was quite stable and wasn't terribly noisy. Uh, I guess the noisy thing's basically a radio guy thing, right? Like, I can't have waves lapping while I'm <laughs> doing interviews and stuff like that. It wouldn't bother me if you had it um, on your side, Mason, but, um, you know, it, it, it's something I avoid. 
Anyhow, let's let's leave noise off the uh, off the, <laughs> the table. Maybe people would like uh, radio with uh, waves lapping in the background. I don't have an answer to that. But um, you know, there's motion sickness, seasickness. This is a thing that uh, the vast majority of people. And by the way, seasickness gets worse as you get older. So you're more likely to be if you weren't seasick when you were 17 out with your dad on that one boat trip. That's fine. But now you're 37, and it's possible that you do get seasick. And this isn't the kind of thing you necessarily get over. There's a lot of boaters out there, in fact, that get seasick. So they take this into account when they're uh, you know, making their long voyages and stuff like that. The vast majority of sitting on anchor, not a big deal. But um, it can be an issue. I can tell you that that's what happened with me. I thought I was fine. And then when I'm on those long voyages... Not so much. I didn't feel that great. So there's some um, there's some downsides to it. There's some upsides. I'm hoping the best for your operation. Um, do you have it? Have you targeted anything in Florida yet? Um, or are you trying to get people together? And I do want to talk about your community. Please go ahead. Yeah. So um, I mean, when it comes to a boat, that that's just you know my personal preference. The whole concept of the project it's applicable to any floating vessel. I mean, it could be a boat. Could be a spa like Chad and Nadia did. Could be a traditional floating house. It could be a catamaran. Any of these options are feasible as long as it's mobile. I mean, when it comes down to it, you have to weigh the decision yourself. As you mentioned, mobility versus stability is essentially how it how it breaks down. Yep. Personally, personally, as someone who's read and you know really um, embraces the concept of the sovereign individual, I think that mobility for me is more important than stability, and uh, the ability to just especially with a solar catamaran at the, the drop of a hat, say, yeah, I'm leaving, and I'm just going to go anywhere in the world that I want. It may take me, as you said, two weeks to get there, three weeks to get there. Well, anywhere can go where it take you many months, but yes. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go to, you know, Asia, I'm talking about the Caribbean, anywhere close by, it takes you a couple of days or a couple of weeks to get there. But the fact that you just have that freedom to go wherever you want, um, that really, it really puts into practice the ability to vote with your feet rather than your voice. And that's really what our project comes down to. So if someone really decides that they want that stability, they want to live on a spa, that's perfectly fine. They can join our community. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, we're, we're just as happy to have those people. It's just not my personal preference, so to speak. So about the community, um, like people use this term, they throw this term around a lot. First off, I don't think that libertarians um, are predisposed to community. They tend to be rather um, acerbic and um, they tend not to get along with each other. They're, they're highly individualistic. What I found in New Hampshire is, is that what passes for a community is sort of a, uh, a drunken arguing club, um, you know, <laughs> a variety of things like that. But also, Towns, towns tend to have a number that um, makes them successful. And now maybe that's because they're not as tightly knit. You know, not everybody in a town necessarily knows each other. It depends on how close they are to a city and varieties of things like that. But um, it's unlikely that you put together a number that's going to be successful. I mean, at this point, you're basically a flotilla. Um, presuming that everybody gets a boat, you know, and maybe what do you got? How many, how many boats at this point, if every familial unit, um, whether they are boyfriend, girlfriend or boyfriend, boyfriend, I don't look, I don't care. We're libertarians. Um, (laughs) um, if every unit had their own vessel, how many vessels would you have at this moment? I mean, currently, uh, we just launched a couple months ago. We have about 250 people on our mailing list. So, I mean, assuming a couple of those are family, you're probably talking 200 to 220 
Oh, I, think I, I think I'd cut that down by ninety percent just because uh, somebody's on your. I'm on your mailing list, and I'm not ready yeah. to uh, <laughs> to join. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you said if every single person yeah. joined, in, and I, I agree, it's not it's not there yet. That's how many people are on our mailing list. But twenty, um, it's 20 people can um, make life easier for each other um, in some way. So you know, even if we're cutting you down by ninety percent, we say that uh, twenty units of people um, are are interested. You know, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing. I I think that I'm going to give you as much chance as any of the uh, seasteading operations have at this point. And let's mention seasteading's being very successful right now in Linton Bay in Panama. Is that correct? I mean, I, I haven't checked on them in, in some months, but so that that's the same um, that's the same Chad and Nadia that were in Thailand, and uh, they are being successful in that they have a a company that's producing these spire-type structures, which is fantastic. Um, they, so at this point, are essentially focused on the business aspect of producing the structures. In Linden Bay, Panama, they're not so much looking to achieve the freedom as to produce the tools necessary for other people to achieve their freedom. And, you know, I, I, I completely understand. I know we are early in the stage, early in the game. We've only got a small number of people, and we're looking to grow. The way that I see this playing out for us at Atlas Island is over the next five years, I would like to see us as an organization grow to 10, 20, 30,000 people, similar to the Free State Project. And as you said, you know, only 10% of those get on boats. If that works out to, you know, 1,000 people living on boats, that's fantastic. Um, and I think that is a good starting place for a community. The idea being that, again, we start in local areas, you buy a boat, you start living on it, then maybe you start aggregating people in Florida, they all come to Tampa, and they park their boats outside of Tampa. Now you've got a community there. The people in Europe, they've got their boats, and they start collaborating, um, you know, collating around uh, Italy or Greece. You pick a spot. And then around the world, you've got different communities that have got 500, 1,000 people in each of them. And when the time comes, those communities can then go and join together in the ocean, and I definitely know what you mean. Uh, getting libertarians together is like herding cats. <laughs> now, the great thing about seasteading that compares... <laughs> it's, like herding, it's like herding large cats, <laughs> big, mean cats. <laughs> yeah. Now, the great thing about seasteading, though, is that it allows you the complete freedom to associate with who you want without having to um, divide up the community, right? Because if you are living on a boat with your family, I'm living on a boat with my family, we can park right next to each other, and there is no reason we have to have any interaction with each other if we don't want to. But if we want to trade, if we want to provide service to each other, we allow that to happen. So our vision is that each individual family, each individual unit owns their vessel. They're sovereign on that vessel. That is their territory. No one else can trespass on it. No one can tell them what to do there. So then there'll be a market of private companies that operate platforms where you can dock your vessels and they provide essentially a market square. And there'll be 5, 10, 15, 20 of these platforms that are all kind of coalescing, floating around each other. And that allows you to choose which platform you want to dock at based on which one you most agree with while still having the freedom to trade with all the others and essentially have the benefits of the market of a larger group of individuals without being tied into a community where you're bound by the votes of all those individuals. If half the people are pro-life, half are pro-choice, half are pro-marijuana, half are against, it doesn't matter because we don't have to all follow the same rules. We all just have to be in roughly the same vicinity and allow ourselves to interact with each other on an economic, voluntary basis. And um, I would uh, steel man your argument here with uh, the boat boaters um, I've been I have been a boater and I can tell you about what the boating community is like they're already all of this um, they're essentially proto-libertarians now, their politics may be whatever you know this or that is but I don't care who you voted for in the last election I care how you treat your neighbors and that's what libertarianism is it's a moral code about how you treat your friends and family 
I would like you to apply it to your politics. And I think it applies well to your politics. However, you don't have to, to be a libertarian. Um, I know plenty of libertarians who voted for, what's the president's name? I forget. <laughs> Joe Biden. Um, and uh, I know plenty that voted for uh, Donald Trump. I know these people, and I, I don't, I'm not, don't question their libertarianism um, from that standpoint. I don't just pull people's cards. So I think that, um, I think that there's, I think there's a strong possibility that something like this could work. I would also say that, um, you know, it may very well be married to an on-land community like uh, Prospera or the one I'm putting together down in uh, Utila, Honduras, um, it's Coral Beach, you know, this kind of thing where, eh, you know, maybe we're uh, getting supplies from different locations and, you know, traveling about and this kind of thing. Um, one last question regarding mobility. Um, Mason, why not just get everybody to buy RVs? I mean, they can be mobile. When you move around, the authorities don't know where you are. Um, you know, functionally existing outs. So uh, government having uh, three aspects, which is the scope of their law, the will to enforce that law, and then the, the power to uh to enforce the law so if you have those three aspects in many cases uh governments simply can't handle a caravan of 50 rvers that go to uh some place and you know park or boondock or whatever they do and live for a while until they get uh you know till they decide for whatever reason they want to leave whether it's the weather or uh, the local police or or whatever so, um, I mean, it's an interesting concept. Um, a couple of issues with that. One, when you're on an RV, ultimately you are on someone else's land, no matter where you're parked. I mean, maybe you're going to uh, find Department of Land Management land that you're going to squat on, but you are fundamentally on someone else's land, and without permission, that is trespassing. So, from a libertarian moral point of view, you're... Well, I wouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> Or you can park at a park and you can pay the rates. In either case, you're on someone else's land. And really when it comes down to it, I guess, as an American... You, to some degree, you have to embrace the agorism that you're talking about if you want to escape taxes. But for anyone else from any other country in the world, as soon as you're on a boat and you fly the flag of the Bahamas, you are now legally not obligated to pay taxes in either the Bahamas or your country if you're living on that boat full time. Oh, so, wait a second. Um, so from an income tax standpoint, the United States government claims your labor uh, around the globe if you make right. more than two hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year and you're outside of the u.s i mean the, this is an important aspect <laughs> um if you're outside of the u.s and you're making upwards of two hundred and twenty thousand dollars per year and i real and i understand that doesn't apply to 90 percent of the people um that uh, would be listening to me but um that they they do claim your labor so I, when I said outside of the United States, what I meant was non-American citizens, citizens from Canada, from other countries, from Europe, the rest of the world, almost every other government in the world says that if you're no longer resident in that country, they don't claim your taxes. Right. So while as an American citizen, you will have to practice some form of agorism if you want to escape taxes. I am Canadian, for example. If I fly the Bahamas flag and I am now permanently resident on a catamaran, then legally I am not obligated to pay any taxes whatsoever. And I'm not talking about agorism. I'm talking about being completely above board, not having to break rules, actually using the rules to our advantage. So that is one major advantage of seasteading. And, you know, if you have an organization, you build a company, 
And that company is now a company that's flagged in the Bahamas, based in the Bahamas. That company now can be a tax-free company. Whereas if you're in America, it becomes a lot harder to do that. Again, like I said, American citizens, there are still some difficulties. But um, for non-American citizens, as soon as you're on the seas and you're flying a, the flag of a country with no taxes, you're no longer obligated to pay taxes. Can you explain to me one more time, run through that um, a company on a boat concept so uh, a company that i register where um canada or the bahamas oh the bahamas uh honduras anywhere you want to register so i register a company in honduras and i claim that that company is on a boat Oh, no, so I, I'm telling you, if you register the company in the Bahamas in that example, and you're now flying, or operating it off of a Bahaman flag boat, uh-huh. you're now essentially a Bahamas company operating in Bahamas territory, quote-unquote. Okay. So now you follow the Bahamas tax laws, which are much more liberal than American tax laws. I mean, I know some states have more liberal laws, but it, it allows you, again, that was just an example. The, yeah, the no, fundamental I, concept I, is I just wanted to get, uh, see, if there, see if you understood some loophole that I didn't understand. I'm not trying no. to grill you or anything like that. Um, no, and, and, the, and the thing is the regulatory arbitrage, right? Because if the Bahamas then changes its rules, when you're on a boat, all you have to do is hoist another flag and say that now I'm in Liberia and we're going to be now filing as a Liberian company. And you can use that regulatory arbitrage to pit jurisdictions against each other and get the best deal for yourself. Whereas if you're an RV uh, convoy, you actually have to physically move to another country to make that happen unless you want to be a pure agorist and just skirt the rules yeah i'm curious as to i mean so uh companies when they get registered bank accounts and things like this they like to have those uh companies to have addresses i'm curious as to how all of this would meet out i'm interested in how uh in people who do this kind of thing and and reporting further on this idea it sounds like it's a little down the line um you know that we're not quite ready for it but I can tell you this, that when you can, uh, with facility, move from one jurisdiction to another jurisdiction to another jurisdiction, that those jurisdictions lose that will and that reach that we were talking about um, as far as uh, their laws go. I mean, they may have the scope, but it doesn't matter if there's no one there to uh, enforce it. And that gets, um, gets interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I would much rather have the Liberian government try to come after uh, a company for taxes that they're now claiming are due than the IRS come after it. I think we're, you know, the long arm of the IRS is much more powerful than the long arm of the Liberian uh, corporate tax agency, yes. whatever it is. <laughs> the IRS is far more of an efficient organization than uh, Liberia um, Liberia's taxing authority, I am certain. Uh, Also, we have the advantage that it is unlikely that the uh, Liberian taxing authority will give money to people who drop million dollar bombs on ten dollar tents. You know, I'm I'm trying not to give as much money as possible to places like Russia, China and the United States. Not in that order. China, I think, is first on me for me. But, uh, (laughs) you know, anyway, um, now if you want well, go ahead. I was going to say, if you want to go down that rabbit hole a little bit further, I mean, what you can look at is where things are evolving, right? And you say that now, I say, let's for war on boats, we're flying the Bahamas flag. Technically, we have very little obligations. What if, in addition to that, we now start conducting all, all our transactions in a cryptocurrency, such as Monero, which is untraceable, and instead of incorporating a company in the Bahamas, we start forming decentralized autonomous organizations 
that are accountable only to anonymous shareholders who are you know voting with their cryptocurrencies and secret accounts this allows us a lot of autonomy and when you're in a country that already has a lot of liberality in its laws it really provides kind of a, a very synergistic approach to achieving that that uh, anarcho-capitalist type approach to living life all right so um mason now's your opportunity pitch people on what you want them to do so uh, my first pitch is if you like what you've heard go to atlasisland.org, A-T-L-A-S-I-S-L-A-N-D.org. That's our website. Have a look there. We're constantly updating it. I want you to sign up for our mailing list on that website. And you can also go to t.me slash atlasisland. That's our Telegram channel. I want you guys to join our movement. I'm not asking for any money right now. We're not looking to fundraise. This is all about individuality. If you really want to put money towards something, well, what I would recommend is I want you to start living on a boat. Find a boat that you can live on. You know, if you own an average American house and you are committed to this, you can sell that house and for a similar price, you can get an excellent boat, possibly even a solar-powered catamaran. You're not giving that money to us. You're not giving that money to any organization. That is purely your investment. If I've sold you on the value of living on a boat, whether Atlas Island succeeds or not, you now can live on a boat. You can join whatever organization you want, and that investment is yours to keep. If you don't like it, you move somewhere else. If you don't like us, you go to another organization. And at the end of the day, you have a boat. So I'm not asking you for any money. I'm asking you to join our organization on the website as well as on the Telegram channel. Start considering living on a boat, and please start contributing. Because contributing intellectually, not financially, because we need many people with many ideas. Look, I just helped to come up with this idea. I don't have all the answers. I know that. And that's, you know, that's the value of the market. The more people we have thinking about this, the better the idea will be, the better it will evolve. The more people we have living on boats, the larger the market, and that will also then uh, cause the technology to advance. You know, maybe in 10 years, there will be a company that comes up with a solar-powered catamaran or a solar-powered floating uh, sea pod design that can be had for $200,000 and is almost as luxurious as living on land. So I just want you to join our movement, think about it, and start contributing ideas. That's what I would ask at this point in time. I have some thoughts on uh, what you've said. Uh, first off, if you could take hulls of boats and take them to, uh, say, Honduras, someplace where labor is significantly less, you could begin to outfit boats with uh, solar panels and electric engines. You would totally be able to create your $200,000 electric boat. Um, the advantage, there's a distinct advantage of solar over sail, um, and by the way, you can get on sailing forums and, and you can argue this point ad nauseum. So feel free. You know, it's your life. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But I can tell you this is that um, there are many, many places sailboats simply cannot go. Many hurricane holes, places where you can hide out where the, uh, where the sea isn't nearly as rough that you can't go as a sailboat because of bridges, especially in the United States. And a solar boat can solar is brand new and people just aren't used to it i can i can see the advantages of a fuel powered boat i can see the advantages of a sailboat but i'm excited about this new solar technology in the area of sailboats and mainly because ladies and gentlemen there are a lot of free boats in america they're free now, are they nice? No, not all of them are nice. But you'd be surprised at how nice some of them are. And you can outfit them with solar panels and electric engines and these kind of things in some uh, Central American country rather cheaply. And I think you've got some kind of operation that the average American family could, uh, could make work. 
I would advise this also. If you're selling your house to get a boat, reserve uh, 25% of that equity in some kind of investment that grows, and you can use that for maintenance and these sorts of things. I wouldn't give up my job. You're going to need to buy food and a variety of other things, but um, you know, suddenly the house payment goes away in a lot of cases uh, when you get a when you get a boat. But there's marina fees and things like that. You'd be surprised how luxurious a marina feels after you've been boondocking for and you know anchoring for uh, a month. Those hot showers. When you're looking for a boat, look for a shower you can stand up in. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, not everybody's going to have the, uh, the, 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 the fortitude to stand on the top of their sailboat and in a, in a pair of swim trunks and rub their genitals with soap as they pump salt water over their head. Um, you know, if late gentlemen, if you want to save your marriage, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fresh water is a big uh, you know, a, a big step in that direction. So a hot fresh water, not cold fresh. Water. <laughs> you know, you can get them pretty hot with those solar bags. Um, yeah, you can fill it up. So they have these bags that you just kind of hang from, you know, uh, some kind of spar on your mast, and um, it has a little directional spout on it that you can uh, shower with. And you take what we what we call a uh, a submarine shower uh, because this is how the <laughs> submariners do it. They don't have a lot of. Um, water and they just first they get themselves wet in some manner most people jump in the water then go up and uh, soap up and underneath the shower and then once they've got their hair and their armpits and all the other spots spots that grow hair uh, soaped up then they begin using the water to rinse and rinse the salt water off themselves and that's what uh, passes for a shower out there can be done um is it pleasant well not nearly as pleasant as walking into your shower and uh, you know having a big old thing a swab there and you know opening it up and putting it and standing in the shower for 40 minutes or whatever you want to do there are uh, but is it free and you're out there and i can tell you in the many months that i was on a sailboat never once did a shore patrol or coast guard come out and want to board my boat and see what we were doing or anything like that you do have to f go find um, revenuers when you change countries and, you know, they'll, you know, trade you some paperwork for some money. But I presume they give to government agencies <laughs> or just keep for themselves. Who knows? Um, but that's uh, that's something for you to deal with down the line. Um, Pets can be a bit of a challenge on boats. It's hard to train a dog <laughs> to poop on a deck so that you can then wash it off with your saltwater pump hose. Um, cats a bit easier. So, you know, these are things that you got to consider. Many, many Americans uh, post-COVID have uh, adopted animals that didn't have them previously, and they do make life better. So, Mason, it has been a joy to have you on. I think that, um, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm willing to give you the not wrong status. It's uh, good. I, I appreciate that, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know we're still growing and we're still learning. So if anyone has anything to contribute, please reach out, and uh, hopefully Mark can also put my email address in the show notes so you can reach out to me directly if you if you would like to do that. We don't do that with the show notes, but you can okay. go to atlasisland.org and find everything there. It's Atlas, as in Atlas Shrugged Island. Come on, if you don't know how to spell that. And then ORG, atlasisland.org. Thanks, Mason. Thank you.